I, I guess I should just say it. I don't think I've told anybody, but a few weeks ago or months ago, I guess at this point, I did a Q&A episode of this show <laughs> where it was just me answering listener questions. Um, and I, it turned out my, my recording was corrupted uh, due to a USB problem. I didn't know it. I couldn't hear it. And so I had to redo that whole episode. So there's actually two versions of that episode. Um, and as I was just telling, uh, just telling Maltz, I think I did better because I had never, um, I had never done an episode without a guest before. I think I was a little awkward. I, and I think doing it twice in a row, I guess I did it the next day. I forget if I did it. I think I did it the next day. Um, but it was better cause it was like, it was like, I'd worked out the kinks of that a little mm-hmm. bit. I will say this though. Uh, and this is my question to you. I, so I think recording that thing twice was good for me. Um, I've had times it's been, it's been a long time since I've lost data on a computer, you know, like app crashed and, or, or yeah. some kind of mix up or you, you over, you know, a bad right. RM <laughs> command on a terminal and you, you just, deleted it. You just jinxed us. But every time I've ever in my life lost like an article or a school paper, or anything, um, I have never once felt like I did a better job recreating it. I've always felt like, oh my God, there was something I had. <laughs> I had it going on when I wrote that and I'm not getting it right. And, and the never shake the nagging sense that wasn't there a great point I made? I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't have it. Like, yeah, I think maybe it's different with writing than with talking, but yeah, that's it. That's exactly my point is that, yeah, there is something different about it. Like I could yeah. recreate a podcast, but I don't, I, I could never, I feel like I can never recreate an article. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's definitely true. I, 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 I one time lost the audio, the audio, or it was just, I think it was badly corrupted for some reason, uh, when I was recording, uh, an episode of the rebound. And so now I, now I record with two, two different computers at the same time. So I'm recording with two two max right now which is my usual <laughs> Wait. my usual setup Wait, and, how and is if this? something goes wrong if something eventually goes wrong with both of them i'll get a third <laughs> just like i'm just gonna keep adding max until until i no longer have any problems uh <laughs> i have enough lying around i might as well use them <laughs> So I've got, I've got my I've got my 2016 MacBook Pro and a 2009 uh unibody white MacBook. Hmm. So how do you like the MacBook Pro? Which one do you have? You probably have 13. I have the two, I have the original one. I have the original one. I so I don't have I have not had the only problem I've had with the keyboard so far is that the well other than it being that keyboard and the t- typing on it is not necessarily my favorite experience. But I haven't had any problems with keys malfunctioning hmm. really other than the right shift key is slightly squishy. Hmm. Uh and this is, you know, that's 2 years basically almost two years into using it. So I, I don't to, think that's so bad. I have to send it back. I mean, it's like, a, I'm pretty sure I'm overdue. Um, I still have the the 15 inch MacBook pro from the summer. And I, I, I don't know, at some point I stopped using it. You know, I used it for a solid month, maybe like six weeks. And it was cause it was summer and we were traveling too. It was actually kind of natural. Like, and I, I literally, I wasn't even using my iMac at home. I was just using that 15 inch MacBook pro for everything all my writing, all the email. Um, and I said, I think it was on the podcast even, uh, I don't think I wrote about it. Maybe I did, or maybe I tweeted it. It wasn't on daring fireball, but at some point, like two weeks in, I mentioned that like the S key or the E key, maybe it was D it was ES or D. It was something on my left hand got stuck twice. Um, 
but easily was unstuck just by pressing the key again. And uh, I don't know. I, it was just a tweet. It's like, I have to be so careful. But then somebody from mm-hmm. Apple PR <laughs> reached out to me and they're like, oh, my God, can we send you another one? And and it was funny because I think it was somebody who was on vacation when I did it because it was like two weeks later. And, and I was like, you know what? It's been two weeks and I haven't had a problem since. Not a single single problem. And then I used it for weeks full, full time and never once had another problem again. So there was something, I almost feel like it was a different problem. It wasn't like a reliability problem. It was almost like maybe like when the keyboard was new, it was just a little more prone to that. I mean, it's like I, reliability problems aside, because the reliability thing is is a whole nother ball game. Like when the keyboard actually fails, yeah. like um, I actually do think, I, I, I really wonder, like, I don't like the low travel. I know some people love it, though. It's obviously subjective. But it's like the tolerance is so... There, there's like no tolerance between the aluminum frame around the keyboard and the keys themselves. Like that's partly what makes it feel so nice and premium because they don't jiggle at all. Yeah. You know? Um, and But I feel like that's what maybe made it so it's possible. To, it's, I almost feel like with my previous generation MacBook Pro, the one I'm staring at right now, you couldn't even get a key stuck, right? It's like there's no way to make a key get stuck because it's like a bit of – there's a bit of a gap between the aluminum around the keys. Yeah. I have a lot. I have a lot uh, because I have a kid, and you know, a kid who was younger back then. Uh, I have a lot of <laughs> MacBooks with keys that have been pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> but like this, this white one here is missing a missing the, a function. One of the function keys, uh, and and the and for years he used my old MacBook Pro, which was like a 2010, I think, and that's that's missing a couple of keys too. Or actually, no, I think, I think it's just, no, now I know what the problem with that one is. He spilled a drink on it yeah. <laughs> and the, and the key, most of the keys just simply don't work. So I have it, I have it upstairs with a keyboard plugged into it. <laughs> um, Jonas's MacBook pro. I think I mentioned this on a show a while ago. Jonas is, he needs a new MacBook or, or laptop. I don't, I'm not even hundred percent sure that he'll get a MacBook, but I, I think he will. But you and I have talked about the gaming PC yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want a gaming laptop. Like he wants a gaming PC desktop, which I think makes sense uh, for yeah, his needs. You get, you get more for your money. Um, yeah, it's you know, and and then who knows what? So I'm, you know, we've been waiting for this event. We'll get to this, you know, but this event coming up next week when supposedly there's going to be new MacBooks. You know, it's like he really needed a MacBook before school started um, in August, but it just it was like the, literally the worst time ever for mm-hmm. this. Um, so long- yeah, it's a little weird that they have if if assuming that well we are going to talk about it later but if they're coming that it's odd that it's so yeah. far after it's it's it is uh not, school season not what you want <laughs> yeah but right. I, presumably it's you know when they're ready they're ready when yeah. they're ready yeah um i forget there did you see there was an interview with schiller uh i think it was in gadget had it got an interview mm-hmm. with schiller yeah. for the iphone 10r yeah and it's, I, I, I've talked to Schiller enough times that I, I, you know, I know what he's like, and he's always on when he's talking to the press. I mean, you just cannot knock him off his game, but there was this one answer and who knows if it was, you know, you never know in an article what is taken out of context or, you know, just one brief sentence from a longer thing. But it was like, he was asked about why did the, why did the 10 R ship, you know, mm-hmm. six weeks after the 10 S and he was like, that's when it was ready. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that was just a sentence in a longer, nicer thing, but I, I almost think maybe it wasn't. You know, it, they're ready when they're ready, and that's, you know, there's nothing that can be done about it. But anyway, Jonas' story. I mean, do you, uh, do you think that that's really true, though? I mean, do you think that they couldn't have – because to me it seems like it's a – it's yeah. a pricing thing that they they thought that if they shipped them all at the same time, that they would sell a metric crap ton of the 10 R's and not as many of well, the more expensive ones. Yeah, that is actually a good point. And I also think that product marketing wise, it would have been difficult to ship them all at the same time. Because in which one do you mm-hmm. advertise? You know, I think I read right. about this on Daring Fireball that advertising wise this year and I mean, I, so I, I mean, maybe it's, you know, it's a little bit six and one and a half dozen the other because they probably I would think they stage it out they have to stage it out for to a certain degree. And so they do it deliberately that way. Oh. And so, yeah, they really were only ready then, but the part of that was the plan. Well, I, I think it, my guess, and I have absolutely no inside information on this and that supply chain, that sort of stuff is like the, uh, among the holiest of holies in my experience at Apple, like, cause the people who really know are like, you know, Jeff Williams is not blabbing about, <laughs> oh yeah, we could add that out a month ago. You know, Jeff Williams is not going to, you know, tell you, but I, I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B where if everything yeah. had gone perfectly, I still think the iPhone 10 R would have shipped some number of weeks after the 10 S, but I think maybe not as many weeks as it did. I think it would have been better to ship it mm. a few weeks earlier than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could be wrong. But I, I, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that marketing-wise, this year and last year just happened to work out in the way that made the most sense for all of the yeah. iPhones involved. Because last year, if the 10s had sh- or, or the original 10 had shipped exactly alongside the eight, the eight would have been completely overshadowed. Like right. nobody would have wanted to review it. Uh, or, or the reviews would have been like one line, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and how do you advertise it? You know, like there's this other one that looks so new and so much more exciting, right? Mm-hmm. Edge to edge, round corners, uh, steel, shiny. It's shiny. I mean, literally <laughs> shiny. <laughs> I, I, you know, it would, really would have put the eight in a tight spot to ship alongside the 10 or even worse if the eight had been the one to ship afterwards. Um, yeah, that wouldn't have worked well at all. Whereas this year, you know, the one that shipped first is the one that literally looks exactly like last year's to the naked eye, uh, except for a second model that literally looks the same but is bigger. You know, and and yeah. it looks so much the same that in the TV commercials, they're playing perspective tricks to make them look the same size and then move the hands so you can see, Oh, the one is bigger, you know, but they, they look so much the same that at first they, it looks like two of the same phone. Um, and the one that I think people are more excited about because, you know, it's, it's got amazing colors and it costs 250 less. I think you can really make the case that it costs 350 less. And if you want the bigger one, if you want, you know, if you're thinking about the 10R versus the 10S Max, I, I honestly think you could make the case that it's $450 less, which is exciting. If you can be very happy with your phone and save $450, that is really exciting. <laughs> and so I don't think it's a coincidence that the one that is more exciting, if not better, but more exciting, is the one that shipped later. Is so, the one that ships Yes, yeah. absolutely. But anyway, we're anxiously awaiting that. <laughs> 
So, and I guess the rumor is that for Max, are we, we going to do that now? Or well, we maybe we'll save that for later. I okay. feel like okay. let's go forward linking, sure. le- looking later. Um, okay. uh, this week's news, of course, is the uh, – well, you know what? I have follow-up. Let me do the follow-up first. Okay. Um, last week with Dan Fromer, I was talking about uh, HomeKit. And I've got these uh, shades from a company called Lutron all around the house. Pretty expensive, to be honest. Um, but I really like them. They're the they're you know we've got lights that are hooked up to the HomeKit stuff, and I'm not really I don't find that anywhere near as useful. I don't mind using switches for lights. Um, uh, I love having the shades hooked up to voice commands, and I love using HomeKit for it. But I was talking last week about setting up uh, scenes. Where I could say, I'd set up a scene called like open the kitchen shades. And then I could talk to my, you know, various Siri enabled devices and say something like open the kitchen shades. And then that she would open the kitchen shades. Um, turns out that's the, not the right way to do it or not the best way to do it in HomeKit. Like in HomeKit, you can define rooms and you can, you can move devices between the rooms once you've set them up. So it's better to just put, define a kitchen and put the shades in the kitchen. And then you can say the same thing, open the kitchen shades or open the shades in the kitchen or any formulation that you think would work usually works. And then it just works. It works better. Like mm. scenes are better for like saying to, to, to set up one called like good morning that opens all the shades in the house or something oh, okay. like that. So it's throughout the house. Right. Right. But if you really want to do it like I do, like by room, it's, surprise surprise better to use the actual room feature in HomeKit, which i wasn't really even aware of like i'd seen it but i thought that that was just the way they were set up because that's what they were called in lutron because we what the long story short we'd had these for like a year but until recently we could only use it with the amazon thing because uh of some complicated something where our lutron base station wasn't HomeKit compatible and now it, we got one that is and anyway so I mm-hmm. wanted to clarify that a lot of people out there. Um, but the funny thing too, about the follow-up I got on this from HomeKit aficionados is it all echoes what I'm, what I'm thinking is that HomeKit is way underrated. Like it's, it's like it got off to a slow start and I, the knock against it was that Apple had these stringent requirements, you know, for both security and both like compatibility and the whole thing, like hooking up to Amazon is sort of like loosey goosey, you know, you just make a thing and, you know, download an SDK and, you know, you, you, I don't think Amazon improves anything, you know, you just, it's just so much better. It's ridiculous and so much more customizable. Um, I think the HomeKit app, the Home app could be better, but overall I think it's really good. And it's a lot like the shortcut app for iOS 12 in terms of just sort of being, you're effectively programming these things, but doing it in a visual way that I think is approachable to regular people. Like you're not, you don't need to Mm -hmm. use a programming language, but you're just dragging these things and moving icons around. And it, you know, ends up that you can, you know, effectively program these devices in your house. And I think it's pretty cool. So anyway, there's some follow up on that. Okay. You got any uh, home kit stuff? I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> we don't have an echo. We don't have any any of that stuff. And mostly, as some of the the reason that we don't have the echo stuff. We actually, our, my parents bought us one at one point, and they sent it back because they talked about it with Karen, and we were just like, mm, we don't really want the microphones. And we had a um, you know like a security camera thing that uh, 
we had gotten uh, it was a podcast advertiser sent it for free to try out, and we had it hooked up for a long time, and then we took that out too. And the reason I don't do the automation stuff is I'm just sure that Hank will screw it. <laughs> The worst I just know he's uh, he's just going to be doing it nonstop, or he's going to you know like screw with the scenario, you know the, the scenes and whatever. So I'm just like I'm not dealing with that right. Jonas now. is so lazy he doesn't do anything. He doesn't he never tells <laughs> he never does. He's like the opposite. He just he doesn't even turn lights on. He'll just sit in the dark. <laughs> Rather, th- like not only does he not have to get up, he could like literally just talk to his phone to turn lights on, <laughs> and he won't even do that. He won't even bother to do it. Like <laughs> it is it's funny amazing to me how much how persistent Hank is at talking to Siri, and just how many times he will try. Whether that he's like in the car and he's getting a bad connection, and so Siri's not connecting to you know home base to to process the question. Or if Siri's not understanding what he's saying, um, he just he keeps trying and he keeps trying and he keeps trying and to the point where it's maddening. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just type it in. Just open Wikipedia and type it in. Uh, Jonas had saved his money, by the way, and uh, he he uh, pre-ordered Red Dead Redemption mm, Two mm-hmm. yesterday, which is. Uh, Looks pretty cool. I like westerns. I don't. I don't. I, I'm so far out of the gaming scene, but it's uh, supposed to be. It's supposed to be the new hot. Yeah. Game. Yeah. yeah. It's like Westworld and on your TV. But uh, it's, it's only PS4, right? I guess. Yeah. I think yeah, so. Because we don't. We don't have the PS4. Uh, or PS4 only for now. I can't imagine that it'll yeah. always be PS4 exclusive. But I wouldn't uh, think so. Either. I don't know how this stuff works. But anyway, yeah. um, it's also humongous. <laughs> it is like. I I think he told me it was a hundred gigabytes oh, man. or something. I don't know, but he's, his PS4 is uh, was obtained when the PS4 was very new uh, for Christmas. Like whatever the first Christmas was when PS4 was available is when he got it, and so it's only got a four hundred megabyte hard drive. So he's had to do an awful lot, and, and he's gigabyte. all in on digital downloads. Gigabyte, right? <laughs> Gigabyte, it's yeah, yeah, gigabyte. <laughs> no, it's, he's got a floppy drive. He's got a one point. He's got a. It's an. It's an. It's an, H, it's an HD floppy drive. So it it's used one, to be attached to my Performa. Yeah, it's, it's got a full one point four megabytes. Um, uh, so he's only got four hundred gigabyte hard drive, and so he's had to. And but he's all in on downloadable games. You know, other than like, I guess, I guess the only time he gets discs is like from relatives at Christmas. Um, but he's had to do a lot of, you know, like delete the game, delete this there's, and whatever. Yeah. But even you though, can, I mean, even if you buy the disc, I mean, like, there's always downloadable yeah. content. That's the so, thing. Cause Hank just got, right. uh, destiny Two, Right. And you know, it's, it's like, Oh good. You can, you know, you go home and play this and he gets home and it's like, <laughs> Nope. Got to spend two hours downloading something. Well, there's software updates too. It's like effectively the whole game has to be redownloaded. Somebody just tweeted a screenshot last, I forget who it was, but it was after midnight, you know, so the red dead redemption Two at, at the, the, you know, it's it's like New Year's Eve for people who like yeah. video games, you know, and they're all. And the guy had the disc. I guess he got the disc during the day, and he tw- tweeted a screenshot. He was down. <laughs> he had to download like seventeen gigabytes <laughs> before he could play. Like I, I don't see the point of it. But anyway, uh, I finally helped him out. And see, this is the thing I worry about the kid. Like, why didn't he come to me to ask for an external drive for his PS4? <laughs> um, and I'm so out of touch. 
when the PS4 originally came out, you could not use external storage for games. You could like hook one up and it, I forget what it would be for, but you couldn't do it to like play games. And at some point, Sony got their act together and issued a software update where, yeah, you can just plug in a USB three drive and format it in the PlayStation. And then you can just, you know, you can download games to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yesterday I, he was like preparing to like erase his entire PS4 to make room for Red Dead Redemption 2. And I was like, look, let me help you out. <laughs> and we hooked up a nice, I even, I even got him a nice, uh, SSD hard drive. So it would be nice and fast. I asked Good. a friend of the show, Syracuse, if that was worthwhile and <laughs> long story, which I enjoyed, but long story short. Yes. He said, <laughs> I think I would have guessed that he would answer that, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it involves sequential reads. <laughs> <laughs> yes, would have done, but I enjoyed the technical <laughs> details. I did. But so now he has a nice SSD external drive. But anyway, I, I he came home from school while I was coming down here to start the podcast. And I asked him if his game uh, fully downloaded because that's a, you know, that's a real heartbreak for a kid on a Friday. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like it happened. It happened like six months ago. There was some game that Jonas had been long awaiting, and he thought he'd set it up to download while he was at school and got home, and and there was like an error message, <laughs> right? Like, and when right. he dismissed yeah. the error message, it was like that it started the download. I feel like the Xbox downloads just freeze from time to time. Like, yeah, like I would because I've seen Hank. You know, it would just stop. It would not progress, and then he'd have to back out and back into it again, and it wouldn't lose what it had downloaded already. But right. yeah, you know, it was something like that. Yeah. If, I don't you, think the, if you just left it overnight and thought, "Oh boy, it'll be ready when I get up in the morning," nope. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I texted him before, uh, or I said hello to him, but then I forgot to ask. So I texted him while I'm down here recording with you. Did your game fully download? And he says. <laughs> Oh, no punctuation. Oh, yeah, and I'm never leaving. <laughs> so maybe I don't have to get him a new MacBook. Yeah, really. It's a, at least not now. <laughs> uh, how fast is he? But how fast is he going to play through that? I don't know. Uh, if it's good, it'll take him a while. He gets his yeah. value out of him. You know, he he. Yeah. You know, he tends to. Um, well, it depends on the game, too, because, I mean, yeah. Hank has blown through some games. I'm trying to remember what, because he did one recently. He got some game recently, and it was, and it was like, just a few days later, he's like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whoa, jeez, really? Yeah, Jonas had one like that, too. I forget what it was. Um, but, like, Destiny. Destiny is, like, uh, it, it, he's sort of fallen out of Fortnite, uh, but for a while. I mean, in Fortnite, you don't even pay for it, which is ridiculous. So whatever yeah. he's, whatever he did spend on it to get costumes <laughs> dance move or whatever the hell he bought i mean i know I, I, it actually is what you buy dance moves and costumes uh i have what, not seen that i have not seen that game and hank is not hank has i there's i think there's like a subculture that's that hates that game yeah i jonas and has told he, me I think about he's it yes. into, he's into that group like um i got like you the, like the when i drive the because we do a carpool for the kids uh back and forth from school and so uh when i drive every once in a while i'll hear him somebody mutter that it's overrated <laughs> yeah uh yeah i jonas has filled me in on that but anyway but destiny which does cost money jonas has gotten his money worth a thousand mm-hmm. times over i mean yeah it good god this he spent a lot of time on that mm-hmm. game. <laughs> yeah hank has spent a lot of time in that game too uh it seems fun. I mean, I played a little bit of it. Yeah. The only thing I can compare it to would be Bard's Tale. <laughs> you remember Bard's Tale? 
I don't remember the name, but I never oh, played that. Oh, man, did I love Bard's Tale. It was like a Dungeons & Dragons type game. And it had like, it sort of had like a 3D interface, but it was like one square at a time. You know, like, think like Castle Wolfenstein mm-hmm. 3D, but on an Apple II. You can only be in, yeah. Yeah, and you'd, you'd move, it was like the D&D equivalent of moving like one square on graph paper at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. But you'd go through, you know, you'd see the walls of a dungeon, you know, and you'd hit like up arrow to go ahead one. Um, God, it was a really good game. <laughs> there was a th- <laughs> uh, like the most uh, for whatever reason, it's a weird number. But for whatever reason, the most of a bad guy you'd ever encounter was ninety nine. It seems like a weird number because you'd think it would be like two fifty six. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. You'd think it'd be like two hundred fifty five or two fifty six or something. But it yeah. was ninety nine. It was limited by the actual mm. digit. Um, and there oh, was a, yeah. Okay. So it was like more like a Y2K problem. Right. And there was a yeah. room, there was a room you could go into and it had, there were these bad guys called berserkers and they're, they're kind of, I guess it's not funny, but their berserkers were just <laughs> crazy people with axes, you know, like people who had just lost their minds and gone berserk and had like were like a fit of rage and there was a room where there were 99 berserkers 99 berserkers and 99 berserkers it was i think three groups of 99 berserkers and the first time you encounter this room it's like you, you i think i i think you had like a party of six people um you could make a party of six people, but like, so you were six, but it was effectively you, but you'd go in and it was sort of like Han Solo going into that room with all the stormtroopers, except like mm-hmm. the George, the George Lucas version, the George Lucas <laughs> version. Yeah. <laughs> Where he adds a bunch of more, like 300 of them. Right. You first time, because <laughs> you know, 11's not cool. 300's cool. Right. The first time you go in, you, you just, you're like, oh my God, I have no, ch- we're dead. Oh my God. Where's the last, oh my God. The last save point was all the way back there. You're just, it was like the most screwed you ever are. And then you got better at the game and you're characters all got better and um it, it i'm sure it happened to everybody who ever played the game it dawned on you like hey a couple of weeks ago remember that room with all the berserkers i could i have uh there was two spells that were exactly the same lightning and uh, a, a fireball um and they had they did the same amount of damage but i had one you know by the time i recalled it i was like i had both of them and it was the perfect weapon you know spell to do against like a group like that um so you could go back to that room and then just instead of really fighting them, fighting them, you just have your wizard shoot them with a lightning bolt and they'd all die. <laughs> and you got massive, massive like experience points and gold and whatever else. So and then you could just back out of the dungeon. And once it was out of, you know, the memory, it was sort of like, you know, like a scene loading. Like you'd be outside oh. and then when you'd find a place to go inside. It would like then you'd load. So you just go back outside, go back in and then they'd all be there again. And then it was like, you know, it was almost like a cheat code, like where you could, you know, like, uh, you remember in SimCity, you could type something and you'd just get like a million dollars. You'd just mm-hmm. go into that room and kill, uh, kill 99 berserkers, 297 berserkers <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, over yeah, and right. over again. And then you could buy everything in the game. Anyway, Bard's Tale. That was a good game. Uh, let me take a break. Thank our first sponsor. It's our good friends at Squarespace. These guys sponsor the show quite a bit. You may have noticed. Um, they keep sponsoring. I was just talking to them recently. They keep sponsoring because people keep signing up for Squarespace through the show, which is great. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I think it is also the sort of thing that like you don't just go 
and decide that because I'm telling you about Squarespace to go make a website. You know, you make a website when you have a need to make a website, which might be soon or it might be a couple months from now or whenever. But with me reminding you uh, every once in a while that when you do need a new website or maybe you have an old website that you are very unhappy with, like the way you go about updating it or the way it looks or something like that, uh, you in the back, have in the back of your mind Squarespace as the place to go to create a new website or recreate an old one. Uh, you just go to squarespace.com. You get a free trial for 30 days and you just start picking templates. You start picking the features that you want on your website. Like, do you need a store? Do you need a like portfolio section to show like the work that you've done? If that's the reason you're building a web personal website, um, is it like a restaurant website or something like that? And you need like a menu and stuff like that. Do you have customized logos and stuff like that, that you want to add to style it, to make it fit the brand that you are shooting for? You can do all of it within Squarespace. It's just, you don't use apps. You don't use HTML. You don't need any of that. You just do it in the app in a very WYSIWYG style right within the app. And then once your site is up and running, everything else you need to keep it going is right there. Like you've, you know, want to post to a blog on the site right there. Squarespace has their own CMS built in. You do it right at Squarespace. You want to look at the analytics. You want to see what kind of traffic you're getting, where it's coming from, where people are going on the site. They have a fantastic analytics package, really, really well designed. Uh, it doesn't just show you, it's not just fantastic in terms of what type of stuff it shows you. It's how it shows it to you. Uh, because I find personally that most web analytics things are completely inscrutable. They might as well be presented in a different language. I, I don't even, I don't seldom understand what I'm looking at. Squarespace's analytics, super, super cool. Very, very great information design. So that's, that's my pitch to you. Keep them in mind the next time you have a web, new website to build, uh, the next time you're fed up and want to replace a crappy old website with a very cool new one. Uh, try Squarespace first, 30 day free trial, full thing. You're not missing anything during the free trial. Uh, and then when you do get to the end of the free trial and you're ready to pay, uh, you can use this code talk show. Just go to squarespace.com slash talk show to get started. And they'll know you came from the show. And then when you sign up, if you use the code talk show, know the just talk show, you'll save 10% on your first purchase and you can buy a whole year in advance save 10% on that entire year. So go to squarespace.com slash talk show next time you want to make a new website. Uh, iPhone XR. Mm -hmm. I love this thing. I'm still got it as my daily driver. I, I just posted before we started recording. I don't know if you read it, but I posted my I sort did. of review roundup. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not surprised because I kind of felt... I, I, do, <laughs> I do this every time. Sometimes like last year's iPhone X. I thought, well, this is going to be a hard review to write because this thing is new in so many ways. There's a lot to cover. How do I how do I make this an actual article that has a flow instead of just a list of bullet points? Like, here's my notes. You know, I, I got like a note in Apple Notes with all the thoughts I've had before I sat down to actually write, write. And it's like, these are all good points. I, I look at it and I think, wow, these are some good observations. And then I think, this is a jumbled mess. How am I going to do this? <laughs> and with the 10R, I've honestly thought, like, this is going to be the easiest review in the world to write. It is exactly like a 10S, except it has a different screen, which is still kind of awesome. And it's missing the second camera. And I'm like, damn, how am I going to write more than that? 
<laughs> and then, of course, you know, the, the embargo was like Tuesday, 6 a.m. And there's no penalty. Nobody from Apple comes and, and gives you an electric shock if you miss the embargo. Um, <laughs> but they want them all to come out at the same time. And I, you know, and I, I the, the, the selfish part of wanting to hit the embargo deadline for me isn't that I want to hit Apple's imposed deadline to make Apple PR happy. It's that I don't want other reviews to get all the links before right. mine comes out. Right. Like, I don't, yeah, I'm not, that's what I would think. I mean, I wouldn't right. think you would. I mean, there's no reason to care what Apple. Right. Would. I don't. I want to go to TechMeme and see my review at or near the top. I don't. I don't. Why do they? Why do they care about all the reviews coming out at the same time? I don't. They don't. I don't see how that works for them. I, uh, I don't. I mean, it's a lot. It creates a lot of buzz, and I guess maybe they figure that some people only read. Well, they always have an embargo. Sites. They always have an embargo, you know, so that everybody, you know, there has to be an embargo. Uh, well, there sure. doesn't have to be, but it, it. Well, I mean, I get the embargo, but I don't get why would they would want everybody to publish at the same time after the embargoes are. Well, maybe they don't. I don't know. I, okay. I, I again, I have never even gotten the insinuation of well. <laughs> Sometimes when I blow past an embargo, I will get a uh, get like a very polite iMessage from somebody at Apple PR on whatever the team is. Um, like this happened with my my Series Four watch review. Did you lose the phone? Well, like everything okay, <laughs> you know. Um, so the backstory. This is you know true director's commentary behind the scenes at Daring Fireball. Like so, uh, last month. With the number one, I'm a terrible procrastinator. I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody, <laughs> and I tend to start these reviews way too late. <laughs> uh, it's you know, and it, it it's just my nature. Uh, but then once I get going, it's easy to keep going, but it's often too late. And so I was up literally up all night last month writing my iPhone XS review, and um. Because I was going to be up at six, hopefully to publish, even though I wasn't actually done by then, I volunteered to take Jonas to school in the morning, which is you know like around seven thirty, um, so that Amy could sleep in. Um, but I wasn't done, and so I had to take him to school and then come home and finish. But I think I was done by around like eight, you don't know, probably more like eight thirty, uh, nine o'clock. Um, but I'd been up, literally been up all night writing it, and then. Uh, and I hadn't started my series four watch review yet. Oh, I had notes, you know, I'd been wearing it all week and I had copious notes, um, but I needed to sleep. And so I slept until like, I don't know, three or four in the afternoon and then had to start writing the watch review, but I didn't really start until like 11 at night. And then it was like, I had to stay up all night again. And I, 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 I don't know what time I put, I could actually look it up. Hold on. Let me see if it, I know I, it'll say when I updated it. I don't know. I don't think I published till like 11 a.m. So I was like five hours li after the embargo on that one. And I did get a, hey, everything, I got a, hey, everything okay. Uh, <laughs> but I, nobody, I don't know that anybody else, I, there might be somebody did, but there, I don't know if anybody else wrote reviews of both the iPhone XS and Series 4 watch. Well, that's the thing. Like most of the other sites probably have, they have, more, they have more than one person working on this right. stuff, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't, at least my best friends in the early reviewers, the, the gaggle, none of them did both. <laughs> and it was very difficult. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed this either, but 
the older you get, the harder it is to pull an all-nighter. Like, yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to get any easier, that's for sure. There was a time when pulling an all-nighter to write like a newspaper article or something, or even stuff for Daring Fireball in the early days was fun. <laughs> Here's a, like, here's a story that's uh, that's the convergence of uh, all nighters and procrastination and, um, and 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 things working out well is is I had to write I had a psychology class in high school and I had to write I had this like big we were supposed to do a big project and we were supposed to have empirical research and um, I didn't. I didn't do anything about it until like the day before. I was like, I mean, and then it hit me like, oh crap, we were supposed to like do practical research on this. And so the thing I came up with was I'll stay up all night. I'll take my, my respiration and my, you know, my heart rate and, and, uh, and my temperature and there's my empirical research. And I got like an A minus. Oh, that's, that's actually very clever. <laughs> It is, back when he had, I typed it up on a typewriter too. It is sort of, uh, uh, sort of like Inception in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it after a while. <laughs> Amy and I were just talking about that. We we went to college in the fall of 1991, and we both went to college. Or no, I I got a I got a Mac in college, but it, it, Amy went to school with her typewriter. Um, cause Drexel university had like a program where they, they didn't make you buy a Mac, but they, everybody had to quote, have access to a Mac. So you either had to get one or you had to go to the, you, you were, you got coursework that required a Macintosh. And so you you know, if you didn't own one, you'd have to go to the computer lab and there were mm-hmm. the computer lab admittedly was very nice. Uh, what was it? Corman K O R M A N. Um, and that was also Corman was also where even if you owned one, you could go with blank floppy disks and get legally licensed copies of lots and lots of apps like Microsoft Excel. Like they had like a university wide site license to Excel. Oh, okay. Like, and it, you know, when I first, you know, first got a Mac and didn't really know anybody and, you know, modems were like $10,000 or something. Um, you know, that was really nice. Um, you know, by like, couple months in, uh, you know, getting, getting a copy of any well-known app was no longer a problem for me, but <laughs> it was very nice for those who were less into the where's scene. <laughs> I remember the other, yeah, cause I would, I didn't have a computer until I went to graduate school. And I remember that the lab was the first place I saw anybody play a networked game. I think hmm. it was, um, strategic conquest hmm. was like the hot game in the in the mac lab at the at the university of washington what else was there in the early Which i played days? i played that for years bolo there was bolo remember that i don't remember bolo b-o-l-o i forget yeah. uh strategic conquest you say all right oh yeah all right i'll put it in yeah. the show notes did you see the uh there's a book out called the secret history of mac gaming Oh no, I did not see that. Oh, uh, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, uh, that sounds I have, like I yeah. haven't read it yet, but it's like in my it's, wheelhouse. It is such a nice book that it's like the reason I haven't read it is I'm like saving it until <laughs> until like I can really enjoy it. it I, I it's a terrible habit, but like the better a book is, sometimes with movies too, it's like I'm really looking forward to this movie, but I don't want to <laughs> watch it if I'm not like exactly in the right mood and the lighting, everything, you know, I, I don't want to watch it. There's a full moon and, and it's too much sunlight will come in through the windows. You know, let's wait till it's darker. Uh, Secret history of Mac gaming. Bolo. 
Uh, what else did I so mention? Do, do you want to talk about the the reviews a little? There's a couple yeah. of details that are interesting in the, in these other um, reviews that you that you bring up. Yes, um, yeah. And the one that I think is the funniest is the one that Renee noticed. Yes, um, the, the misaligned which, lightning port. Yeah, the lightning port is slightly misaligned in the. I, which I, I don't think I would probably ever have noticed either. I, looking at it, I um, I can't believe I didn't notice it. I really yeah. Can't. I would have thought you would have noticed it. But uh, I don't think I, I would have ever. Noticed I cannot it. believe I didn't notice it. So I, I I I wrote in the thing that I didn't. That Renee's was the first review I read where somebody called it out, and he had a photo illustrating it. But like after my review went up, uh, somebody a friend from Apple was like, "I can't believe you didn't mention the lightning port." And I'm like, <laughs> "What? What's wrong with the lightning port?" And I looked at it, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh my god! I can't believe it. And like the, the my friend at Apple was like, "Yeah, the display controller is a bitch." Um, <laughs> yeah, so it isn't randomly placed. So for those of you who haven't read this or didn't you know didn't read it, the the gist of yeah. it is that Apple tradition always likes to center align everything on the bottom. So if there's like sp- speakers or sp- you know in the newer phones, speaker grills and the screws that hold everything in, and the lightning port and uh, there used to be a thing, there used to be like a circular port where you could plug in like audio devices. <laughs> it was like an, it was weird. It wasn't really? even digital. It was like an analog I port. Vaguely, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Well, that one was, and they're all center aligned with each other. Ago. They're all center aligned on the Actually, bottom. My phone, my phone still has that, but well. On the bottom of a phone. Um, Talk about that later, maybe. And the iPhone XR, the lightning port is, is lower. So if the phone is laying on its back screen up the lightning port is lower on the bottom of the phone than the speaker grills or the screws um it's not randomly placed like some the the things on some samsung phones seemingly are <laughs> it, it it's top aligned so the top of the lightning port is aligned with the top of the screws and speaker grills but the bottom is lower because it's not centered and it's it's not a, but not it can't great. it's just because it can't be pushed up any further no uh yeah. I actually think though that it's it's less noticeable than the fact that the on the 10s the speaker grills are not symmetric because there's that new antenna line you know so there's only like three oh yeah <clears throat> completely like three holes on the one side and seven mm-hmm. holes or six on the other side so it's right. way less noticeable than that but I couldn't believe it yeah. Although but that they, harkens back to what didn't weren't the the antenna lines were off on either side on the four right um uh, yeah yeah and then they fixed that in the yeah four like s or something i can't yeah. remember when they fixed it but they fixed it later yeah or maybe with the four s because the four s yeah it was and it was weird because the the iphone 4 is the weirdest phone in history because there were two of them with totally different antenna lines because right. the, the verizon one was really more like the iphone four and a half because it came yeah. out six months later or at least like five months later, it was like January, and it had different antenna lines that didn't have the attenuation problem that the iPhone 4 had, and and it ended up being the same antenna lines that the iPhone 4S had later in the year. Um, right, right. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Uh, I, I'll bet, I would even bet that if you could measure how far lower the lightning port is in like tenths of a millimeter from being centered that it's probably almost exactly how much thicker the iPhone 10 is overall than the 10s 
Like it's, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause it's, I, I don't, I, I guess I actually, it's probably cause today's Friday and the iPhone 10 are actually shipped today to people. I fix it probably does have it taken apart. Um, they do. Yeah. That's out already. Yeah. <laughs> cause they go to Australia. God bless right. them for their dedication to that. Oh, yeah. that's, I mean, that's crazy. Well, you I know you're not the biggest fan of flying. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's a hell of a long flight. <laughs> no way. Uh, and I would not do it for the sake of getting my tear down up on day one. I would wait. Um, well, they must have. I don't know if this just didn't load fully when I well, loaded it the first time. Well, that they were still putting up pieces of it. I'm not going to read it while we're recording, but I I just know that the display controller is under the display. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it adds some serious thickness. And it either prevents them from adding the layer for 3D touch, because 3D touch is literally a layer. It's not like just a conceptual layer. It is actually a layer on phones that have 3D touch. Um, So either the display controller being under the screen prevents them from adding 3D touch, or 3D touch would have made it even thicker, and they deemed it would be better to just leave it off than than make the phone even thicker and and or more expensive. Anyway, long story short, one of the things that come out of this, and and Nilay Patel in his review in The Verge had some great, great details, I think with like a microscope uh, to look at the subpixels. And I think Matthew Pantorino had some of these details too. I kind of glossed over, but there's just an insane amount of engineering work that Apple did to get an LCD screen to go edge Mm -hmm. to edge. And I've been, I said this, I asked Apple, you know, does anybody else have an LCD phone with no chin or forehead and apple you know this isn't for the record this is you know just off the record talking to people in apple product marketing um and you know not that they're aware of was their answer they you know but who knows i mean there's a gazillion phones out there but i wrote that in my review and nobody wrote in to correct me like oh the you know the lg something something mm-hmm. from 2015 is lcd and goes edge to edge no I, I, apparently nobody else has a phone that goes edge to edge it's it's just that hard with LCD, yeah. it, it, and it's really hard with OLED too. If you look at how many of the OLED phones out there, like the Google Pixels, to have still have the chin down at the bottom, they go, you know, they have the notch or whatever at the top, um, but they still don't have to go all the way to the bottom. It's just really really hard with OLED and with LCD. It's like impossible, but somehow Apple's done it, and they've done this crazy crazy detailed work to make the corners the round corners look perfectly yeah. round without like jagged lines and stuff. It's, it's well, insane. That's what I thought was so interesting about those two, those two notes was basically that, the, the, you know, they, where they could, where they could physically do an attention to detail that would make it more perfect. They, they do it. And then in the one place where they just physically yeah. can't do it, they have right. to do something else. Right. And I guess, I don't know what else they considered with the lightning port. Like they could have kept them centered aligned, by moving the speaker grills and screw down and have everything closer to the edge. But I think that would look worse. I'm sure they prototyped it and said, well, that's even uglier to have everything pushed down. Yeah. But, uh, it's a small compromise. I, I honestly think it's less of a, I, I think it's less <laughs> it's of a, comp- a small compromise that we didn't notice. before. <laughs> I think it's way less of a compromise than the asymmetric antenna lines on the 10 S, which are there to support yeah. the quote, yeah. un, quote, unquote, would, gigabit LTE. Um, yeah. And that one kind of annoys me. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's coming to Philadelphia, but as far as my like speed test 
testing shows I don't have gigabit LTE, so I've I've got the ugly and asymmetric antenna mm-hmm. lines, and I'm <laughs> I, I'm not getting <laughs> better speed. getting any benefit for it. Uh, yeah. So the other thing I noted in the review, and I, I really thought I just thought it was you know that the, there are two reviews. Like I have the quote from uh, both of them, recent guests on the show. In fact, Neilai Patel and Matthew Panzerino. Um, you know, obviously the two big compromises in the 10R compared to the 10S are the display, which is LCD instead of OLED, and the fact that it only has one camera on the back and doesn't have the telephoto. And I just thought it was so almost comical how perfect their comments were, where uh, Matthew said that he likes telephoto lens so much that he he thinks 80% of his photos over the last year were shot with the telephoto and he wishes he could set a preference so that when he starts the camera app it starts in 2x mode and he has to hit the button to go to the wider angle lens as opposed to the way it works now where you always start in a wide angle and Neilai Patel said I almost never use the telephoto lens yeah. Uh, and and really focused heavily on the the specific you know deficiencies of the LCD compared to the OLED display, you know. Yeah, really, really, you know. And I, again, like I wrote, it's neither one of them are wrong. It's subjective, but it's so interesting that they both have the different um, mm-hmm. different opinion. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would probably go with Panzerino because I just I don't my I think it's my eyes are so bad now. I don't notice the difference between these kinds of you know the the finer detail on the screens yeah i think so i think that's part of my problem too uh, or at least you know that yeah I, I i don't see it and i remember when the iphone 4 first came out because that was the first retina screen and it had the same resolution which is a point i want to come back to that it was 326 pixels per inch so that was 2010 and that was only eight years ago but i remember see boy that feels like a long eight years yeah <laughs> jeez yeah. Because that was, uh, I think I've told this story before, but that was the first time I ever talked to Steve Jobs was in the hands-on area at WWDC after the iPhone 4 was introduced. Um, <laughs> was, that, was that the one where Mossberg was sitting on the table? No, that was the iPad. That was the original <laughs> okay. iPad event. Uh, so that would be like a year later, I think. Or no, no, it, was, it would have been earlier that same year. That were earlier in the year. Yeah, earlier no, earlier yeah. in 2010. I should tell this story. I think I've told it before. Maybe not. I tend to be a little secretive with the. the I, I, uh, I I don't have extensive experience talking to Steve Jobs, but the first time I did was was after the iPhone four 2010, hands on area in Moscone. You know, there's. I think it was the last phone that was. Yeah, it was definitely the last phone that debuted at WWDC. Big hands on area. Uh, and. It it was more pronounced back then than now, I think. But there was always this weird, and it was still early in my time as like somebody who has a badge to a press badge to go to these things and go to the hands-on area afterwards. And there's it's still this, the case where as soon as the event is over, there's this like scrum to get there and start getting photos of these devices and touch them, and you have to wait, and people are crowded around, and it's like. And then very quickly it empties out because everybody, oh, so many of these you know mm-hmm. people have to file. You know, it's right. like I got to get my post up, I got to post, I got to write, I got to get my pictures. Yeah, I got to go. It's that scene in an airplane where they all go running out and they knock over the. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like empty, and then you get to like play with them all to yourselves. And then you know, but anyway, I've, uh, I actually I talked to Scott Forstall at that. At, at I just saw him standing by himself, and I went up and introduced myself, and you know, terribly afraid that. He, <laughs> You have no idea who I was. 
And instead, <laughs> he knew exactly who I was and was uh, said he reads my site all the time and mentioned something I'd recently written. And we had a wonderful conversation. Um, and then uh, I was talking to Katie Cotton, and who I'd met her before, because she, of course, knows everybody who was in the media. She knew everybody who was in the media. And then she said, uh, hey, would you like to talk to Steve? And I literally, this is my reply. I literally said, does anybody ever say no to that? And she laughed and said, actually, no, <laughs> nobody has ever said no to that. And then she walked me over and introduced me to Steve Jobs. And, and we talked about the funny, he was like, well, of course, his first question was, so what do you think? Uh, and I just, it, I had all, it, it still is one of my, it's probably my, I'd been waiting for what Apple calls retina to screens for forever. They used to call them high DPI and there were, um, Cable Sasser and I have been obsessed with this, I don't know, 10 years prior to the iPhone 4, when everybody thought it would come to the Mac first. And there were WWDC sessions, I forget how many years before, but they used to call it high DPI. And it was like, get your software ready for high DPI. And like panic <laughs> had changed all of the assets in all of their apps from like bitmap images to PDFs <laughs> so that they'd be scalable. <laughs> And it never happened for the Mac until <laughs> like, I don't know, whenever Retina Max came out and they did it in a totally different way where Retina Max, you know, they did this whole like 2X, 3X thing where you could still use bitmaps because they were precise size. Like back in the day, everybody was anticipating that, you know, high resolution interfaces would be like PDFs where you could scale them. You could go like 96%, 93%, 94%. Um, so I was super excited about the iPhone 4 because it's the first time I'd ever seen a truly high-resolution device, and it looked amazing. Um, and we were talking about it, and we were talking about and the iPhone. In addition to being Retina, the iPhone 4 was the first one where the display was fused to the glass, and so the, it eliminated the sort of parallax of the distance from the surface of the glass to the screen. It was so oh, much right. better in mm -hmm. so many ways. It wasn't yeah. just like, oh, we've got two pixels for every one pixel. It was just like a whole, it, it just felt like they'd leap, leapt 10 years ahead in display technology in one year. Um, but the, uh, the other thing about being fusing the display to the glass is in addition to being better to look at and especially better to look at at an angle, it also means there's no air gap between them. And I don't know, did you had early iPhones, right? Like the, like the iPhone and oh, yeah. 3G and 3GS, because there was an air gap, very small, but there was an air gap between the display and the touch, the glass, you could get like a piece of dust in there. I don't know if that ever happened to you. It happened to me. Yeah. I don't think it, no, I don't well, think it did. it happened to happened fairly yeah. early yeah. on. And so I'd spent yeah. an entire year with this one piece of dust in a very prominent location. And so I was talking to Steve Jobs about this, the iPhone 4, and how, how much, you know, all these details about the display. And I got to the air gap part, and I was like, so with this, you know, the, the screen being fused, there's literally no air gap anymore. And then he told me, yeah, no air gap at all, but they had to build their own machines to do it and ship them all over to China, like, that, that Apple built these machines to do it because, no, you know, there, there are no other displays that didn't have an air gap. And I said, so you couldn't, that, therefore, something like this couldn't happen. And I sh took out my iPhone 3G and showed him the piece of dust. <laughs> and he, he looks at me and he just says, no, that can't happen. But with no apology whatsoever. <laughs> you didn't no, rush somebody no, over to get you a replacement. He's like, no, but it was all in, all the, it, was, it was all about how awesome the iPhone 4 was. So like, yep, yeah, that can't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
That's that's one of my Steve Jobs stories. <laughs> twice. How many times did you talk uh, to him? Twice, and then once I got an email. Okay. But it, not because I wrote to him; he wrote to me. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I've never told this story either. It, he effectively. It was very strange. He effectively told me the iCloud strategy like 11 months in advance because I had written something. I had written a piece on Daring Fireball complaining about the the fact that you still had to like sync to iTunes on your Mac to get like your contacts and, and certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he wrote me an email and he just it just started. Uh, I read Daring Fireball uh, or it started off the record. I read Daring Fireball. And then he didn't say, use the name, but he effectively told me they're working on it. And it was, you know, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wrote back to him. It took me like a day to like figure out how to write back. And then never heard from him. I, I never heard from him again. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> I got the email before I met him, though, at the WWDC. And so I actually asked him. I was like, hey, I just want to double check. A couple months ago, I got an email from you. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. I, just, I still never was 100% sure. <laughs> right. Somebody spoofed his address. No, but I guess, actually, I, now that I think about it, I guess he actually, what he outlined to me as their long-term strategy was over a year in advance because uh, iCloud didn't come out till his last year, 2011. At WWDC, but it was effectively, you know, uh, I don't think he used the phrase, but it was effectively a in the future that you know the truth will be in the cloud, as opposed to, you know, that it'll move to the cloud will be the center mm. of your data experience, not your Mac. <laughs> and he just told it all to me. <laughs> it was it was very strange. Uh, so any, yeah, anytime Steve you Jobs. type "little bird," you meant Steve Jobs, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, 10R reviews. I love this friggin' phone. I, it is so great. I, I'm just blown away by how much I like it. I wish it was. Wish it was smaller. Well, that's you know, that is the thing. And I will say that one of the best aspects of it, it does feel smaller to me than the 10s Max. Like the Max thing is just not for me. I, I yeah. well, it is smaller. Uh, it is, and it feels smaller, and it feels to me subjectively more like a big 10s and less like a small 10s Max. In that. I feel like if I had to use this phone for the next 11 months, I'd be, I wouldn't be annoyed. Um, but it's funny how a little, little difference here and there to me makes a difference in hand. Um, cause I've also, I bought a couple cases for it and i still want to write about it. I think it's so weird that Apple doesn't have any cases yet for the iPhone 10 R. So I bought a couple of third party cases like on Amazon, um, I bought a leather one from a company called Bellroy, who I'm a fan of their wallets and stuff. They sponsored Daring Fireball like five, six years ago. It's been a while, Um, but I should mention that, that they were a one-time sponsor of Daring Fireball. But I just like their products, and I bought a Bellroy case for the 10R. Um, And putting any case on it makes it feel too big to me. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like it pushes it over. Like w- the way it feels with no case is like the upper limit of what I consider reasonable. But the, the, the best part about it is I will stop using it because I'm not buying one. I already have a 10S, and my 10S feels so nice and small now. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe I guess that's maybe what I should do to segue away from yeah the SE is like is like get a get a 10s max use get it, it for a get, month. no get an eight get an eight plus <laughs> borrow somebody's eight plus because the yeah. eight plus and again you put the 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 plus size the six seven eight plus size phones next to the 10s max and they they're like it's like they're about the same it's like the 10s is bigger taller but it is a little narrower but for some reason that minimal like the millimeter or two difference in width is noticeable but get the and i guess just looking at the phone with the seemingly antiquated forehead and chin mm-hmm. it all just seems puffy feels bloated right. it's like right. the best way to get used to a bigger iphone is to get the the eight plus and you try using that for a while okay well so anyway, well, we can we can so mention when my, this. when my SE dies. Oh. So you're you're using an iPhone SE. I put this yeah. in the show notes. Now we share the show notes in, in Apple Notes, and then uh, Caleb Sexton, who edits the show, is also on the shared note. And he he usually doesn't do this. He <laughs> added a note. Uh, he changed the section from Moltz's iPhone SE to Moltz and Caleb's <laughs> iPhone SE, iPhones SE, and he wrote the note. I'll never give it up. I'll go into the grave. <laughs> with a tiny phone caleb yeah <laughs> that is i, I you know, know i'm not gonna go that far but well, it i'm is, gonna use it i'm gonna use it until it goes to the grave i think it, it in the long-term trend it is absolutely the 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 other the the, the elephant in the room <laughs> there's some kind of pun about you know big ass phones and elephants, I guess, mm-hmm. but the elephant in the room with the 2018 iPhone lineup is that all of a sudden the smallest new iPhone is actually quite large, which is the iPhone XS. Yeah. yeah. Um, even the, you know, you're on an SE, which is just tiny compared to these phones. Um, but even the iPhone seven, not plus just regular seven, I had it out. I always end up getting them out to compare this or that when I'm writing these reviews and I had it out. And Amy saw it, and she was like, "Oh my God, that's so nice! Isn't that nice?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it is actually." Um, it's the yeah. the smallest new iPhone you can get is actually quite large, and it's. Uh, yeah. I think it's I worth talking. What, about. I don't know. I'm I'm still holding on, just and I don't think that there's any hope currently of anything getting any smaller than the than the 10s. I I disagree. I think that there is a chance that they will I don't know what they're going to call them next year because one of the other weird things about these 10s and 10r names is the 10s just tack an s is fits right along with a whole bunch of other previous s phones, s iPhones where the industrial design is almost the same, maybe they move the camera around a little bit. Um which is annoying because then you have to buy a new case if you already had a case for the other one. But they move the camera around a little bit, or or the you know uh, the 5s. I think I'm almost certain was the first one with Touch ID. So instead of having an old fashioned simple home button, had a you know Touch ID button, which is you know obviously a visual form factor change, but it was in the same position. Um, but the 10R is all new, right? It is. It's literally a new size. It is. It's new colors. It, it's clearly not based on any previous iPhone. Um, but they're not. I can't. I can't believe they would call a phone next year the 10RS. Although maybe they would. Maybe I'm overthinking it, right? <laughs> that they 
they'll just come out with a, another one that looks like the 10R and call it the 10R S because it's yeah. I guess I don't know. It just seems I don't, crazy yeah, I don't to know me. where they go. I just can't believe though that they'd only do one year of this. That they'd put all this work into this. We talked 15 minutes ago about how much insane engineering and design work went into making mm-hmm. this LCD go corner to corner. Why in the world would they do it for only one year? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually think, you know, and I do this all the time and I don't even know if it's worthwhile, but I spent like, I swear to God hours in a spreadsheet working out, you know, the pixels per inch and dots per inch of the various, all these mm-hmm. phones in the various scale. you know, you can go to on these bigger phones, you can go to the settings display and change the scaling from standard to zoomed. Um, when you do that though, and look at all the math and especially when you look at the points, not pixels, where, you know, meaning the difference. I tried to get in this my review. I hope I didn't lose people. It doesn't seem like I did because nobody wrote to me with any confusion, but maybe they just skipped Glossed over it. Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> just look for the next subhead. <laughs> um, but I, it's not that hard. It, 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 might be, it might be a mistake it, for me to try to write about it in words because I feel like maybe it's better illustrated visually. But basically... It's like if you think of a sheet of graph paper and there's like think of like the main the main sheets, the main squares being like the points. But then you divide every one of those squares into two, like a two by two array. That's a two X retina screen where the points are the the big squares and the pixels of the actual physical display are the little squares within the square. So there are four per yeah. Four pixels per point. And in a 3X retina display like the 10S, you'd get a 3x3 three three array, like okay. a tic-tac-toe board of so nine, nine. nine per point. Right. But if you just look at the points, because like like if you and, and if you just think of like 16 point text, like if you just take the system font and you say, give me 16 point text in the system font and write the word uh, iPhone. The letter I rendered at 16 points is going to be the exact same size, whether it's 2X or 3X. It's the exact same number of big squares. It's just each subsquare has finer detail because it's either a 2 by 2 or a Mm -hmm. 3 by 3 within. Um, And when you look at that and you look at the phones in terms of points, there's two point resolutions. There's the standard resolution of the 10S and the standard resolution of the 10S Max, where the Max is just bigger in both directions and has more points. Um, but when you use scaling on the 10S Max and you say, give me the zoomed interface, which makes everything a little bit bigger, it just uses the exact same number of points as the 10S and just zooms them up. So you're getting like mm, the, okay. like a screenshot taken on the 10S and a screenshot taken on the 10S Max in zoomed mode be the same. Well, except that it would be physically bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. Right. It, it it's a lot like and it's like it's like exactly like the the iPod iPad mini versus the regular iPad of your when they were the exact same pixel for pixel, it's just that mm-hmm. the iPad mini used smaller pixels and packed the same interface into a smaller thing. Um so the 10 R has the exact same two scaling sizes as the 10s max. And so when you're in the standard zoom, just the default, if you just use standard pixel for or point for point, I mean, it's the exact same interface as the 10s max. It's just that each point is 
two by two pixels instead of three by three. And when you zoom, it's like a scaled up 10 S pixel for pixel or point for point. I mean, see, I, even I get confused, yeah. but so, and the 10 S not max, just a regular 10 X 10 S doesn't have a scaling option. So you can't, there is no zoom on the 10 S cause it already is the smaller of the modern 10 class phones. So I feel like what is would naturally slot into this product array weird. would be a smaller 10R. Well, that's yeah, and I was just thinking, looking at that, that I mean, that would be what I would like. <laughs> it would, happen. and and it, so what I'm imagining, and I think it would be very natural. It would be it would be an LCD screen. It would be 326 right. pixels per inch, exactly like the 10R, except instead of being 6.1 inches diagonal, it would be only 5.5 inches diagonal. So it would be like a third of an inch. A little inch. bit smaller than the 10S. Well, a third well, of an the inch. Body, the would the body be that much smaller yes. necessarily because the because the well the bezel's not that big but well it is big enough though but the other thing that I I figured out looking at all of this is that the 10s I think is actually would be more accurately described as a 5.9 inch display not 5.8 I think that when you look at it and I actually even bought a couple months ago one of these you, they're real cheap I, I I'm really glad I bought it like 15 bucks on Amazon you can get like a um, a digital caliper mm -hmm. that measures uh, like literally to like the hundredth. It, it claims to measure to the thousandth of an inch, but I mean, I can't believe, you know, that that's like microns um, using that and doing like some Pythagorean theorem based on, cause Apple tells you how, you know, you can measure how wide the screen is and they tell you how many pixels print it's supposed to be. And you know how many pixels there are. So if you just do a little a squared plus the square root of, you know, the two sides at the right angle, um, is the length of the diagonal of a triangle. Mm -hmm. It actually works out to like 5.859 or something like that. Like it really okay. is, it seems more like 5.86, which should round up to 5.9 inches. Whereas I, the, uh, I that, yeah. So that's taking it to the curve. No, As not the curve. To... No. And Apple, okay. even in their footnote, admits that their measurements are taken to as where the hypothetical perfect rectangle of the right. display okay. would be, okay. um, which is seems a little bit questionable, but it's it really makes sense if you think about it. It, it, it is fair if you think about it. Um, well, most of the screen does fit that. Right. Because most of the phenas, yeah. you know, and you don't really scroll right. diagonal. You scroll up and mm -hmm. down. Um, and it just any, you know. Long story short, it just seems like they could, you know, they would just have point. It would be the same points as the iPhone XS, except they'd be each pixel would actually be a little smaller. It's a hundred and sixty-three pixel um, points per inch, as opposed to one hundred and fifty-three points per inch on the standard scaling of the XS and XS Max. Yeah. Everything's yeah. just a little bigger, point for point, on the XS and XS Max, uh, and that was true on the the plus size phones too, the eight plus and the seven plus six plus six S plus those phones point for point made everything a little bigger too. In addition to showing more stuff. Um, so anyway, a 5.5 inch diagonal 10 R next year, I, it would be quite a bit smaller than even the 10 S you'd notice it. You'd notice it as being smaller in the same way that you notice that, that the, the 10 R is smaller than the 10 S max. Right. And I think it would make a lot of people happy. And I think it would be a natural, I think it would, I think it would be very natural, you know, and it, it almost fits the pattern where they come out with these 10 class phones 
the first year in one size and then now that they, you know, then come out with the second size the second year. Yeah. It's just that instead of starting small and so going probably big. probably a little bit more the size of, the, of a seven, but. Yes. Yeah. 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 Whatever. It might be even a little smaller than a seven or eight. Maybe. Um, but about well, that size. The display in the seven is 4.7 inches. Yeah, but it's no good because it's not corner to corner. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's just. Um, what just you need looking, is you try not eyeball it, but of course you can't really. Yeah, but if you that, make but. if you just make take a piece of paper and measure off five point five inches and try to put it on an iPhone seven, it it fits. It, okay, you know, it's it's not a bad comparison. It would you yeah. would definitely notice it, and yeah. I think if the ten R is successful, like you know, I think they might yeah. do that. I think it would make sense to offer them in two sizes. Yeah, and that's why I would I would I would probably go for that. I mean, eventually, I'm obviously I can't keep. <laughs> I can't keep this phone for. I mean, Caleb says he's going to do it, but I can't yeah. keep this phone forever. And I feel like it's you know, I, iOS twelve has been pretty good on this device because it actually, uh, it, you know, it, it lives it, up to the faster. promise. It is faster. Yeah. Like Craig yeah. Craig Federighi said, they're going to make it faster, and I, 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 they actually seemingly yeah. did. Yeah. So uh, I, I can at least squeeze another year out of it if I want to, and don't drop it. But uh, I suspect that when the next version of iOS comes out, it's not going to be so friendly. <laughs> I would, to, I, to this on, device. <laughs> I honestly think that anybody holding out on it with an SE like you, it, it would probably be best served to wait one more year because yeah. if they're going to make a phone smaller than the 10 S a new one, smaller than a 10 S it would be next year. And it would be a, like a, I don't know what they would call it, but it would effectively be a 10 R mini. Right. That's what I was, yeah, I was thinking 10 R mini. Yeah. It would be exactly the same points as the 10s just smaller slightly yeah. smaller well see so you're giving me hope again they, yeah. just so i can get crushed again next year <laughs> well you know what's funny what i did is i did, did, did yesterday or the day before i fired up my iphone 5s and wiped it and updated it to ios 12 because i also i bought a, a pixel 3 i bought a pixel two years ago i bought a pixel 3 and i want to spend some time using the pixel 3 as my main phone but I I don't want to put my my real SIM card in it. I have like a spare SIM card from T-Mobile that I use with the Pixel. I had been using with the Pixel, and I'll just put that one in my Pixel Three because um, I don't want to screw up my iMessage. <laughs> like right. Joanna Stern had a column about this just a week or two ago about how <laughs> how screwed up it makes everything. Like she put her SIM card in the Pixel Three to. Um, <laughs> to test it and like missed all sorts of texts from her uh, family and friends. Cause they were, you know, all going to iMessage. Like she opened up her Mac and then there, there's all these messages <laughs> that she wasn't getting cause they weren't going to SMS. <laughs> uh, it's just easier. I know I'm not going to switch to the pixel three um, full time. So it's just easier. But if I'm going to still carry a second phone so I can get my phone calls and text messages, um, and I want to not be uh, tempted, you know, to use it for photos and stuff. I'm just going to carry the 5S around for like a week while mm -hmm. I test the, you know, in my mm -hmm. other pocket while I carry the the Pixel 3 as my try to yeah. use it for everything phone. And I will say, God damn, this phone feels nice in the hand. Doesn't it? Oh, my <laughs> God. Every once in a while I pick up my, I have a 4 upstairs and I pick that up and I think, oh, my God, that's a nice feel too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 
it, it is just like, damn, this is nice. And I had to, when I got the SE as a review unit, I never bought an SE, but I got the review unit and I've, uh, it, it was funny enough. I was staying in, I, you know, went to Cupertino, I think to get it, but I was staying in San Francisco and, uh, friend of the show guy English was in town. I forget why, even though, you know, he's Canadian. He, he forgot which week he was supposed to be. Yeah. In. I think he forgot what week he was supposed <laughs> to be there. So he was in town and we were having a, a drink at like at a, at a, at the hotel at like six. And I, I just stood it up. I just stood the phone up. I was like, just look at it. It stands up. <laughs> you can just set it on the bottom and yeah. it just stands up. Yeah. Like, isn't that nice? I think in general, I like that. I like the, the right angle, oh, the it, flat edges rather than the curved edges, but it just, it feels like you can, it just feels like a phone. <laughs> Nobody it, listens to me. It just feels like a phone. You, I, I hold this and I feel like I could go on like a roller coaster and shoot video and I don't have to worry <laughs> about this phone flying out of my hand. Like nothing is going to make me drop this phone. Yeah. And you put it in your pocket and it's like, ah, oh, yeah. it doesn't feel like I've got like this big thing in my pocket. Well, I got the battery replaced on my SE. Oh yeah, did you, so, was that through yeah. the uh, the yeah? Because by the end of the their go, prices go back up at the end of the year unless they change that. Uh, but it was, so it was only twenty nine bucks. That's it. That's well, great. if I'm going to hang on to it, I might as well get the battery replaced. And how long did you have to wait for that? I remember at first it was like a, a big well, long. Um, it took a few days to get the to get the. I mean, the appointments, any of the appointments were booked out for like three or four days. Um. You know, just a genius appointment was booked out three or four days. And so it was just it was just a matter of getting a genius appointment and they did it in an hour and a half. All right, let me take a break here and thank our next sponsor. And it's our good friends at RX Bar. RX Bar makes like little prepackaged food bars and they make them with all natural ingredients. Turns out real food actually tastes really good. Uh, RX bars are gluten free, soy free. And dairy-free, big deal in this uh, Gruber household. Um, for those of you who don't know, my son has a dairy allergy, so that's pretty cool. Um, whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or full flavors, fruit flavors, uh, there's definitely an RX bar for you. And they use no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, no preservatives, uh, no fillers. It's just real food all stuck together in a bar. Uh I love eating bars. I, that's for me because I'll spend, I spend, I, I don't even want to time how long I spend making coffee every day in the morning. <laughs> I spend a lot of time <laughs> making very fussy coffee. Um, and I have no mental energy left over for preparing anything to eat. A bar for me is perfect. I, I really do. I just, you just rip it open and eat it. Uh, and these RX bars really are very, very tasty. They taste great. They really do have flavors for everybody. Um, and they have a very distinctive visual appearance there. You'll notice them on the shelf. Um, and they have real food like egg whites for protein. They use dates to bind, uh, nuts for texture, all sorts of delicious stuff. Um, so easy breakfast that you just rip open and eat. Yeah. That's honestly, I'm going to admit I'm very lazy. Um, it's great though, as like a snack in the af afternoon, something you can just keep at your desk, keep in your car something like that. Put them in your backpack. Always, I always keep like a, a bar in my backpack because I always, you know, you fly on an airplane and it's like, uh, it's so much better to just have something than wait for the stupid food cart to come along. And it's like some kind of inedible cookies or something like that that you have to pay for. Terrible. Put a bar in your backpack. Um, then you've always got it. Um, 
and it's also RX bars are really, really good for like pre and post, uh, workout snacks. Uh, just, it's just, they're good food and super convenient. They've got 14 delicious flavor varieties. Uh, I don't know if I can read them all here, but I'll try mango, pineapple, chocolate, hazelnut, peanut butter, and berries, chocolate, sea salt. That's my favorite. To be honest, I love salty chocolate. Chocolate sea salt is absolutely fantastic. Coconut chocolate, mixed berry, blueberry, maple sea salt. Uh, I don't think I've had that one yet, but I'd like it. I like the salty ones. Uh, apple cinnamon, mint chocolate, chocolate chip, peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate, and coffee chocolate. They also have seasonal flavors too. They've just it's just a whole bunch of great stuff. And now they have debuted their new RX nut butter which contains a few simple, similar ingredients like egg whites, fruits, and nuts. And every single serve packet contains delicious, creamy nut butter with nine grams of high quality protein. It's squeezable and spreadable and pairs great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or just straight out of the pouch, which <laughs> admittedly is how I would eat it. <laughs> just squeeze it right in my mouth. Uh, they're nut butter flavors, honey, cinnamon, peanut butter, regular peanut butter, and vanilla almond butter. Uh, this, these things are great. I love them. It's just a great company, great products. I, you know, there's all sorts of these bars you can buy that are effectively just candy bars. And it's, you know, you maybe don't feel so good about yourself if that's what you eat for breakfast. This is real food. This is real food. And you don't have to feel the least bit guilty uh, about eating it as like your breakfast or your snack or whatever. And they have a fantastic deal. 25% off your first order for listeners of the show. Go to rxbar.com slash talk show. Just slash talk show at rxbar.com and enter the code talk show, T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W at checkout. And that's 25% off your first order. Great product. I love these things. I actually need to reorder some. Uh, so my thanks to Rx Bar for sponsoring the show. Uh, anything else on the, uh, the 10R? It's kind of funny because it's the Rx Bar. And the iPhone <laughs> XR. Oh, I, you had mentioned, well, not on the 10R, but you were talking about the Pixel 3. And um, yeah, I, they, I, I bought this, one. I, this is not even a review unit. I bought it because I want, yeah. I like to have, I don't want to buy one every year because it's a lot of money. But and, I feel like it's but, worth just to stay up to date on Android. Right. And they've got this night shift thing coming out? Night sight, they call it. Night sight, okay. Uh, I think Night Shift's a better name. Oh, but that's that's already taken. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I thought it was that. Yeah. So they they demoed this on stage at their Pixel event, and they compared it. It was like a picture of a group of people in a park, uh, and they said, "Here's you know the same picture taken on an iPhone XS," uh, and it was shocking how different it was. But it was Google's own photo, and and I have to say, it's I mean, I'm not it's not conspiracy, but the they the Apple is absolutely scrupulous about the example photos they show as having been taken with an iPhone. Um, I think Phil Schiller even said on stage during the Apple's event um, that it, he insists that they literally don't even use, not only do they not use like external lights, um, but they don't even use things. Uh, I don't even know what they're called, but you know, like those things that bounce, you know, they're like, what? Oh yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. a big white piece of shiny cardboard, right. and, and a professional yeah. photo shoot. Somebody's holding it up to bounce a little light off the bottom. Like they don't use mm -hmm. anything like that. You know, I mean, obviously they are using professional photographers who are very good at taking photos with whatever camera they use. But you know, in terms of you know 
I, I think the photo that Schiller was talking about was a 10 R photo of like a young, young woman at night leaning on a taxi cab with like a neon sign behind her. It was like a, you know, just, there was some bounce, like, and I think the way Schiller described it is there was some bounce coming from the hood of the car because she was leaning on it, but it was actually where she was. So it's, you know, fair game. Um, the, the pixel three they're they're talking about the uh, in Google's example photos about their second f- selfie camera. You know, the, it's like super wide angle, like a fisheye lens almost, so you can get more of your friends in. They have a side by side comparison, and supposedly taken at the same spot. But there's a guy with in the one photo who has like a smokestack over his head, and then in the wider angle one, the smokestack is gone. <laughs> Like, like I don't, you know, it's just showing how wide the angle is. And I think it's completely fair representation, but apparently somebody Photoshopped out a smokestack in the one, like that's, you don't Photoshop, you know, like, ah, we didn't think about that smokestack sticking out of the guy's head. Well, let's photo, you know, Photoshop that out. Don't do that. You can't do that in a, in a photo comparison. You shouldn't do that. Um, so I have to say, I take Google's example photos with a bit of a grain of salt, but, but, (laughs) um, this this night sight feature isn't yet shipping in the Pixel 3. So you buy a Pixel 3, you open it up, you update the software. You st- as of this recording, you still don't have it. Google says it's coming soon. Uh, but it's apparently uh, some, some you know Android enthusiast figured out that if you just take the camera app and change one zero to a one, it, you know, it's obviously it like, on. yeah, it's obviously like a yeah, preference off, setting, a, yeah, yeah. you know, is night sight on and it ships right. and it says zero and you change it to one and then it's on. Um, so people, you know, and then however, I don't even know what you do, but to, you know, you install the app on your pixel and you have this feature. It's rather astounding. Uh, Vlad Savav at The Verge, I guess I should put this in the show notes, had posted an article yesterday with some examples he took, and it's really rather astounding. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, I mean, the ones on the, you know, the, the ones without it look like the shots that I take. <laughs> and then effect, these, these effect, other ones look like the shots that I wish I could take. Right. Effectively, what it's doing, and it takes, you know, it doesn't, it, it it's the part that you think, Oh, this is too good to be true. Well, you can't just like open the camera, hit the shutter button and have, you know, this shot in extremely low light image, you know, where, where a traditional cam photo with the exact same camera is almost all black with night sight. It almost looks like daylight. It's like a tremendous amount, but it, what it does is it takes a few seconds and you, you have to go to a special mode. You have to turn, you know, it's just like when you go to portrait mode or panoramic mode or something like that, it's a different mode. And then before you can hit the shutter, it's like gathering light. And what it's doing is taking a whole bunch of exposures and then it uses all of them together with machine learning to like figure out what the heck it's actually doing. So it, you know, the part that's like not magic is it takes a couple seconds to get one of these images, but when you do, it's really rather staggering. Yeah. Uh, I should also put a link in the show notes. Somebody last night texted me a YouTube video from some, I believe Chinese, they were definitely Asian. It was an academic paper that was published earlier this year um, in like a machine imaging journal of, um, I don't know if they're using the exact same technique as Night Sight, but it's their, their example results in the paper were very, had a very similar look. And the people who wrote this paper also published this YouTube video showing examples of their stuff. And they they were using like 
real cameras like Sony RX cameras and stuff. But then using this, it's machine learning, take multiple exposures, put them through the magic of machine learning and out pops this image. And then they also compared it to like the very best high end denoising algorithms, you know, like, you know, there's ways, you know, you take a noisy low light photo, there's filters mm -hmm. you can use in Photoshop to decrease the noise, but they, they're severe, you know, they're very limited. They might make an image look better, but they won't make it look like it's not noisy. Whereas this machine learning thing gets rid of the noise. It's, it's really astounding. Uh, don't know what else to say about it, but yeah. it looks it just, I mean, it's, it's very impressive. <laughs> Uh, I guess there are people that just people I've seen people on Twitter who are um, upset, annoyed, you know, there's, there's people who want the iPhone to be the better camera in every single regard. <laughs> and, you know, this night sight feature is very useful. The iPhone doesn't have it. And, you know, there's, and there's other people who've used, you know, the pixel two from last year who think that it still takes better still photos than like iPhone 10 S, uh, it's obviously close, but but there are specific features that Google has in their camera app that that are you know it's it's not there's no there's no possible way that you can say this night sight feature isn't useful. It's and it's only really. in the Pixel. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that's it, I don't think it's a reasonable expectation to think that Apple would be ahead of Google in every single regard because Google the Google right. people are they're just too good at this. They're too good. It means too much to them. It's obviously the main selling point of Pixel phones. Um, it's just not fair to expect Apple or not reasonable to expect Apple to be first in every single regard. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised and at all if Google, if Apple comes out with a very similar feature in a year or two. Right. Right. And I don't think most people make decisions like that. Right. I no. mean, it doesn't seem like you're not going to go out and say, well, I need the absolute. I mean, some people probably do, but I don't think most people, I mean, we talked, you know, you talked about Joanna Stern talking about how difficult it is to switch platforms for various different reasons. And most people are just going to say, well, the camera that I'm going to get in the iPhone 10 S is way better than the camera that I have in my eight or whatever you have. Yeah. So you're going to be pleased that you're getting a better camera and you compare it to what you have and not necessarily what's everything that's available. Yeah. Jeffrey Fowler, who's now at the Washington post as their tech columnist, I didn't link to his review in my review roundup, but I, I don't think his post review had them, but on Twitter, he posted a bunch of comparison shots that he took uh, from an iPhone six compared to uh 10 R <laughs> Yeah. And I think in a, in a, you know, I did a bunch of shots just comparing last year's 10 to the 10 S and it, it, for most people, what Fowler did comparing it to like an iPhone six is more reasonable. Cause that's the phone people are upgrading from now. Right. Right. It's, right. And it's just staggering how much better it is at low light. <laughs> All of these cameras are going to be better than the one of my SE. <laughs> well, yeah. What, well, the SE has a six S class camera, right? Yeah, still. I mean, like, you know, with all the modern all yeah. the ones in any of these yeah. new phones yeah. are going to be better than what I have. Yeah. It's really staggering. Um, I guess it's a, I should mention this, too, because it was something people emailed to me about or a follow-up I forgot. Talking to Fromer about the Pixels last week, I mentioned that Google also has this picture, this feature, um, forget what they call it, but effectively when you tap on a subject in the display, you know, you're using the camera – and there, you, you got a cat and you tap on the cat to focus on the cat as the cat moves around it continues it keeps the focus square on that cat or whatever it is that you focused on you know it uses again machine learning to identify oh 
here's the thing. And it's, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's moving. We'll keep, we'll keep the focus on it. Um, it's really cool. I, I have, again, I, I have a pixel three in the house, but I haven't even opened the box yet. Uh, cause I've been waiting to finish all of my XR or 10 R stuff and to do the show and everything. So I'll open it this weekend. Um, but just using the hands-on units at the Google event press event, two weeks ago. It, it's really cool. I, the thing I want to mention is that apparently some higher end dedicated cameras have had a similar feature for a while. I don't think an SLR could do it because of the way SLRs actually have to have the mirror flip up. Mm -hmm. But some of the mirrorless cameras of recent years have a similar feature. I don't know how well that works. My Fuji, my, the, you know, most recent real quote unquote real camera I own, my Fuji X100S doesn't have that. Somebody even said Fuji's, somebody actually even mentioned, I think who knows I have a Fuji's like Fuji, all the good things you can say about their cameras are actually behind on this feature. Um, I think part of it is that my Fuji doesn't have a touchscreen. It just has like an old fashioned non-touchscreen display. <laughs> it kind of makes sense that you'd have to have a touchscreen for this to pick a yeah, subject. Right. Um, right. I don't unless know how well. A, unless you're going to have a mouse. So how similar the Google's implementation of this is to the implementation in Sony cameras and whatever else, whoever else has them, I don't know, but it's a really cool feature. And whether they're the first camera to have it or not, they're certainly the first cell phone camera to have it. It's a very cool feature. Yeah. The other thing they have that the, and again, I talked about it with Dan last week, but I, I should mention it because people have written to me about it is they have this picture called top photo. I, uh, I forget their marketing name, but the, gist of it is I take a picture of you and the moment I hit the shutter, you, you're like looking away or your eyes are closed. You blinked and it tries to identify those moments like, Ooh, I see this is a human face and the eyes are closed. Luckily I've captured three frames from the second before and a few from this after and who here's one where his eyes are wide open and he's looking right at the camera. I'll pop up and say, Hey, would you prefer to use this image rather than that image? Mm. Uh, and some people have said, well, doesn't Apple have a similar feature? Like when you take a burst mode or like when you take a burst mode, it, it puts a dot under some of them. Like when you go to examine it and it, it sort of guesses, you know, based on similar AI type features, like, so you shoot burst mode and you get 20 still images and then you go to examine them and, you know, it, there's a nice little interface and it shows them all. And, iOS helpfully puts like a dot under some of them, like to suggest, Hey, this one might be good. And I, I, that's cool. And it does work to some regard, but with the Google feature, it, it, you don't have to go into a mode and you don't have to shoot a burst. And if it, in most of the photos you take, it doesn't do anything because it doesn't trigger the, Hey, this could be better if you take the one from a second ago. Right. The Google thing is it's, it, it's, it, I, I don't know. I just, like I said a few minutes ago, there's some people who are so, that suffer so much consternation, worried that that this can't meet, be true, that Google has better features on the camera than the iPhone. This is one that it is. It, it's the, whatever, whatever Apple's doing with the burst mode doesn't compare to the top photo pic feature on the pixels. Yeah. 
And it was so funny because in the hands-on area, while the the woman from Google's camera team was explaining the feature to me, and I they'd already given me a Pixel 3 to just hold while she was talking, I took a picture of her, and it literally captured her with her eyes closed. And like as she, I said this last week, but it just blows my mind that as she's telling me how the feature works, I took a photo that triggered it, and it said, would you rather use this photo? And the photo it suggested, she looked perfect. It was absolutely crazy. <laughs> And then I'm like, "What's this would be annoying if it happened all the time. And I started taking more pictures and it never happened again because they were all, they, you know, people without right, their eyes fine. closed. Yeah, yeah. And of course, these are all just on the Pixel, right? This, these, those two features. I believe so, yes. Uh, well, but they the are Pixel. coming. I, most of those features, Pixel. though, are coming to the previous Pixels too, the Pixel 1 and Pixel 2. And I right. know that the but, night, night site definitely But Samsung's is not getting them. Right, Samsung's not getting them. It's a Google right. photo, uh, right. Google feature. Which is its own can of worms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Verge had an interesting story. I thought uh, it was funny because I had written a post last week about something that was just like a shameless ripoff of the iPhone. Uh, in another Verge story, I forget if it was a Huawei thing or who. But then the very next day, obviously long in the works, the Verge had a long feature story from, I think, Sam Byford. Um, who I just found it fascinating, like really digging into uh, the Chinese phone companies' mm-hmm. OSs, and I really he, he's making his, the gist of his thing is don't think of them as skins anymore. You know, like the old days, you know, all these Android handset makers would put their own UI skin on top of Android to give everything their you know just like a you know their own look. Um. But like Xiaomi and Huawei and LG, they all have their own, they even call them OSs, you know, like MIUI OS and stuff. And it really is mm-hmm. worth thinking of them as their own OSs sort of based on Android. Uh, uh, but and, and part of it is fully acknowledging that it's just completely standard amongst all of them to just utterly sh- shamelessly copy the iOS camera app. I mean, they copy all sorts of things from iOS. They copy icons. I think it was an icon. Yeah. It was. It, yeah, was, it was like it, a, the, the music icon was like an exact. It was like they just turned the gradient upside down. Yeah, and and their their health app was just the Apple health app icon with like an EKG line underneath the heart, <laughs> like a white background and a pink heart with a gradient, and it was even the same shape heart. You know, like there's like ten different ways to draw a heart. <laughs> It's just a total copy. But the phone in particular, the, the camera app of a- Apple's iOS 7 camera app, like is the gist of what Byford wrote, is might be the most influential software design of the last 10 years. Like they copy all sorts of things from Apple, but the camera app in particular is just amazing. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I guess I should put that in the show notes. I'm, I'm, the show notes are going to be long. <laughs> um, Chinese. OS's. All right, whatever. Anything else on the 10R? I'm trying to think uh, about this. The case thing is I weird. Know. The fact oh, that yeah, Apple did, doesn't you, have yeah. cases. And I know... That is odd. I, I can't help but think it's... It, it, it Going back to what we were talking about earlier in the show about how... Were, could they have been ready or were they purposefully not ready? I don't know. The right. fact that they don't even have cases yet makes me think that some of this was a bit rushed on Apple's part. I, I, I just It's such an unusual thing not to ship. There was a rumor, yeah. uh, nine to five Mac figured out that like, um, not even a rumor. There were, there were versions of the PR releases on September 12th about the new phones 
in other countries that like, it was like Apple Canada sent out a thing that said that the 10 R would have an Apple clear case. Um, and it seems like what happened was that there was some original plan for Apple to ship a clear case for the iPhone 10 R, which makes sense because, you know, if you're going to buy these colorful phones, right. Why put them in an opaque case? You know, if you have a yeah. cool blue well, phone, that was one of the reasons that was one of the things I was thinking why maybe why they don't ship with the cases. They right. don't want you to put a case on it, but maybe. And if you remember yeah. with the, with the, the last colorful iPhones, the five C, the Apple cases had holes in the back yeah, yeah. Uh, to show the color through right i hated those <laughs> it was weird but you kind of got the thinking which... i never liked to look those and i liked i love those phones i never i yeah. never had one but i i you know every time i picked one up i always just it's it was plastic but it felt really good right I, isn't that what johnny johnny i've said in the video it's like unapologetically <laughs> plastic but it it sounds yeah. like bullshit but it was true it, they were it yeah. was unapologetically plastic and it was really nice i, I did not have one either because i I got the 5S instead, which is actually in my hand as I speak. Uh, but it was really nice. You know where I saw a lot of people with 5Cs? It was uh, at Apple, like actual Apple employees in Cupertino. I forget why I was there. It was some subsequent event and or product briefing or something. And I was at Infinite Loop and having lunch in the cafe max. I forget who with, but so I just got, you know, I was, it was just very rare. You know, it's, it's unusual for Apple to invite members of the media to like stay, stay for lunch. Uh, and I just remember watching like Apple employees walk around and an awful lot of them had the five C, you know, and hmm. you would think, Oh, Apple employees would have the best. They'd have the five S. Right. But I think, I think just the fact that it was sort of fun, you know, there's an yeah. awful lot of people at Apple who were more interested in the fun aspect of Apple products than the technical bleeding edge aspect of Apple products. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting. You know, that yeah. you, you just eyeballing it roughly at lunch without being a creep, you know, but, <laughs> but it was the, the thing about the five C's is it was obvious. It was a five. If it didn't have a case, it was very obvious, you know, because it looked like no other phone on the market, let alone yeah. no other iPhone. Yeah. So well, I mean, and so is is your do you wonder if maybe that they they couldn't get they they tried to make a bunch of clear cases and they didn't work out for something? Yeah, I don't know. Or they're coming soon. You know, I, I'll yeah. bet they're coming soon. But it's I would think they yeah they, eventually they have to ship something otherwise yeah. they're <laughs> leaving money on the table. Yeah, I bought one from a company called Total <laughs> Total Lee T O T A L L E E. Um. I bought a couple of cases from them, actually. Uh, I guess, again, I, here it is, another link in the sh show notes. Um, there are, I'm not a case person. Uh, I've never been. I, I use my iPhones without a case almost all the time. Every once in a while, though, I kind of want to have a case, uh, like, on vacation. Like, if, you know, go, like, in the summertime, I, I tend to have sweaty hands in hot weather. Hot weather. Uh, and the modern, the glass, you know, all the modern iPhones uh, get a little slippery if your hands are wet, in my opinion. Um, so I would like to take, I would like to, I like to keep a case in my backpack and then just, if I feel like my phone is slippery, I like to, you know, when I'm on vacation, maybe I'll put it in a case for the day because then it won't be slippery. Um, 
but I'm general. I'm not a case person. So maybe I shouldn't be writing reviews of iPhone cases. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's overwhelming. There are, I, I just read a thing the other day about, I don't know, like it, it, it's literally like a billion dollar industry selling phone accessories, you know, and I, I would guess easily, I think 95% of people put their iPhones in cases, maybe more. Uh, I, it, yeah. very, very rare when you don't see somebody with an iPhone case. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, once you drop and break this, <laughs> break it, you're a little gun shy after that. I think people who've never broken it do it. It just, it, I think people are so worried about breaking I can, it. I can't imagine there's nobody left who hasn't broken it. <laughs> You know, I've at least one. <laughs> so I've, I was just telling someone I've, so I've never really used a case. Um, and I've had every, you know, I've been using an iPhone since day one. I've only ever cracked the screen on two and both were the iPhone six, not the six S the six specifically, which I thought was the, there was something with the aluminum that it was slippery as hell. So I dropped my six, I forget how many months in, uh, on a sidewalk and it was just, it was like, I didn't even have to check. It was like, it was like, oh, that shattered the screen. Like that was bad. <laughs> uh, and then, it, and I, you know, went to the Apple store and got it fixed. It was only like a hundred bucks. I don't know. Um, it was very reasonable. I, I just checked the prices. I think it's still only like 129 bucks for like the iPhone 6S or 7 or something like that. Um, the iPhone tens though are very expensive. They're like 300 bucks yeah. to replace the yeah. screen. So yeah. maybe I should not... put a case on that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I also never buy Apple care. I haven't bought Apple care for any product since the, the only, the only Apple product I've ever bought Apple care for in my life was my Mac LC that I bought again to reference earlier in the show in 1991 when I went to college, I haven't bought Apple care since for anything. Uh, and I'm way ahead. So if I ever get a lemon, <laughs> that dies a day after the the one year warranty expires and I have to buy a new one whatever it is I'm still ahead like I've saved thousands of dollars in the last 20 what would it be 27 years I I've saved a lot of money by never buying apple care but on the <laughs> other hand I like to I like to play blackjack too so yeah really <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't, I wouldn't take this as advice. <laughs> I did not. I did not get it on the SE. I don't know why I didn't. Um, I, I just, but I dropped. I, I so I dropped it at six, and it cracked the screen, and I got it fixed. And I thought, you know what? I've been thinking this goddamn phone is slippery. I got to be careful. And then, like a couple of weeks later, I wanted to take a picture of something in a store, and I held it up. And it wasn't like taking it out of my pocket. And I, I just held it up to take a picture of like a shirt in a store. And the phone just slipped right through my fingers. And the store had carpeting even. It wasn't like a hard floor. And I didn't even think for a second that the screen would have broken. And I picked it up and it was like the worst break I've ever seen. Like <laughs> completely unusable. Like uh, you couldn't even like hope to get, you know, to read what was on, on carpeting. Yeah. But wow. like it wasn't like shag carpet though. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. But it was just it was yeah. that yeah that right. And so I had to wow. get it fixed. It was the same phone. I, so the same phone, my iPhone six. I had to get the screen replaced twice. But all other phones combined since uh, two thousand seven, uh, uh, not not a single cracked screen. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm lucky. Maybe I'm careful. Whatever. I'm not a case person. But um, I, I remember we were we were at, we were at the fair, standing in the line, standing in the long line to do one of the rides and Hanks. Hank's iPhone had 
had the battery had drained and so he's like can i play with, play with your iphone i was like mm, okay i think it was a six as well and uh i was like but don't drop it of course like, <laughs> like less than a minute later <laughs> smash <laughs> like, and you didn't have a case oh, come on really <laughs> there's no yeah i didn't have a case on it yeah. so anyway what i'm trying to say is there's a million cases out there literally i mean there's like a million different companies and it's overwhelming uh and so I did what any sane person would do is I just went to the wire cutter and like, they of course had like best cases, best iPhone cases of 2018. I, I just, I don't know what we would do without the wire cutter. Like, <laughs> like honestly, the, I guess they dropped the, the, I wish they hadn't. Cause I think that was a better name, but now they're just wire cutter, but uh, they have such good roundups of things like this and they break their cases into such sensible categories. Like, super protective cases, you know, like the mm -hmm. OtterBox style things that are like, you know, you can like put it on a rink in a hockey game and use it as the puck and it'll survive. <laughs> um, and Those are the super, ones that Karen gets. super thin cases and, uh, uh, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, any way you'd want to separate it, you know, best leather case if you want to do it. Um, it, it so I just went to their thing and it was like best thin case for iPhones and they recommended this brand Total Lee. T-O-T-A-L-L-E-E. -E. Like, I, I mentioned this on a Slack that you and I were both on, and somebody was like, I can't believe you bought a phone from a company with that name. And it was true. I saw the name of the company, and I was just like, I'm not buying from these people. Um, but they don't print it's the a, name on the... a terrible name. They don't print the name on the cases. Even in small print, the cases are completely unlogoed. That They are expensive. They're like $25 cases at Amazon. Which makes see I'm an idiot. I I there's so many like eight dollar cases. I see oh these are twenty five or twenty six dollars. They must be good. <laughs> and I think well then I can justify this. I can justify buying three of these. It's for work. And I, I so I bought like three of these cases that I have no intention of actually using. <laughs> I bought ones for the ten R, which I'm going to send back to Apple. Uh, but I just feel like without Apple branded cases, it might be helpful for me to say, hey, here's some good ones. But I bought Total Lee's clear case for the 10R, and it's nice. It, it, I, I, I can't help but think that clear cases are going to be a big thing oh, yeah. for the 10R. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely is clear. They, the, the Total Lee people claim that their clear case uh, doesn't yellow over time and it doesn't crack. Apparently that's a problem with a lot of clear cases. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will put a link to the show note. I guess I'll link to their Amazon page. Um, I can't verify that it won't yellow after a year because <laughs> I've right. had it for a couple of days, but it has a nice feel. It is grippy. It increases the grip. I feel like it is a nice amount of grippiness without being uh, tacky coming out of your pocket. You know, I feel like there's a fine line there. I actually feel like Apple's polyurethane or whatever they call their plastic rubbery cases are a little too frictiony coming out of a jeans pocket. My son hmm. swears by them, though. Uh, he loves the Apple rubber cases, whatever they call them. Um, so it's but it's, you know, it's nice and it is truly clear. It is not yellow at all. And it really Hank has a, Hank has a uh, red, uh, red, their red leather case for his 7S hmm. that he it's actually one of the first ones that he keeps on like most of the time i mean he used to have plastic ones because yeah. i would always just get him the cheapest one on, on amazon and he would constantly be 
just like taking. He didn't like having that on, and he would take it off all the time. And then he dropped the phone and break. It was like you have a case, leave it in the case. And this is the first one where I haven't had to argue with him about it. Hmm. He seems seemingly likes the letter. Yeah. Fine. Well, that's the other thing. I, Apple's cases are really good, and it's weird, I guess, because they are relatively expensive. You know, compared yeah. to third party yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, that's why people don't buy them. Cause it also seems to me like eyeballing it at airports or wherever I go, where I just, my mind wanders and I start looking like who's using an, you know, an iPhone without a case. Um, hmm, nobody, just me. <laughs> but I also yeah. noticed that nobody uses Apple cases, but I think the Apple cases are by far the nicest. They yeah. fit. Yeah. I had one of their, I had one of their leather cases for something. I can't remember what it was. I think it was the six, but, um, and I have like a knockoff one for my SE. And the only reason I, actually have it in a case i would probably go without it but um my car mount is a magnetic mm. car mount mm. and so if i want to put it on that i have to have that plate in there and i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna <laughs> attach it to the iphone yeah. for sure yeah the, my favorite cases by far are the leather apple leather cases jonas does not like them though he likes the rubber mm. ones he mm. genuinely prefers it um but the, the apple leather cases are so perfect i mean they're yeah. If you want some combination of, I mean, they're obviously not the thinnest, but it's, you know, it's obviously like a middle ground between being pretty protective compared to no case at all. Um, not like one of these, um, you know, ones that's almost like a sticker, you know, but I like that. <laughs> I bought some of these for my 10S from Totally that are so, they're so thin that, um, that the camera bump still sticks out. <laughs> That's how thin they are. <laughs> like one of the nice things about a case, and I actually think, you know, not to ramble all over the place, but I actually think, you know, uh, we I used to bitch about camera bumps when Apple first introduced it with the iPhone 6. It's like, what is this bump? Why, you know, this is terrible. It feels like a pimple on the back of the phone. And it's, you know, I'm used to it now. And, uh, but I also feel like one of the reasons Apple uh, has these bumps and has accepted that there's going to be a significant ever bigger camera bump on all these iPhones going forward is that most people never notice because they use a case and with the case with almost every case, the bump, you know, the, the case is thicker than the camera bump. So you don't right. notice it. Um, whereas these super thin cases from totally the clear one is not super thin. The clear one is like a sort of regular rubbery thickness. Um, but they've got these super thin ones that are, the, the camera bump still sticks out. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, the leather, I think the Apple leather ones are so nice. And to yeah. me, one of the things about it is that when you press the buttons, like the volume and the power button, it doesn't feel like you're pressing a button that is pressing a button. It right. just feels like you're pressing a button. Yeah. Well, it's just a bump, right? I mean, right. this one, I think as a the knockoff, it does it right. the same way as the real one. Right. Um, yeah, the only thing that to me, the only thing that really, that really always annoys me on uh, using the uh, a case of any sort is the getting the volume toggle or, or the mute toggle, the, the mute thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like you got. I never, I never turn it off mute. That's the. Th I've mentioned this before, and that's what other people tell me. Other people are like, "You turn your phone off mute," and it's like, I "Yeah, never, sometimes I do." I never do. I still think isn't that's the weirdest thing that that's not copied by Android makers. The weirdest thing to me, I love having a mute button. Uh, I think I used to use it, but I, mute switch. I just do not. I, don't I do. Use it uh, but it's. I mean, cause, I mean particularly because with the watch now, I, yeah. I can just look at my watch. I know when I'm getting a call. It's not like, I mean, I still have it on um, vibrate. I think it's just crazy that Android makers don't copy that from the iPhone. I don't know why. Maybe I'm yeah. just. You well, might be the only one using it. The only it. one who uses it. <laughs> it's like me and Johnny Ive. You and Johnny Ive. Uh, 
All right. Anything else on the iPhone front? I can't think of anything. No. Um, what else do we have here? Well, I guess I can thank our third and final sponsor before we continue on and talk about next week's event. And our third and final sponsor is from an up-and-coming startup uh, called Amazon. <laughs> and apparently this Amazon company has a bunch of they're sort of a large company. It's very surprising when you research it. <laughs> well, one of their services is called Prime Video. Uh, and here's the deal. When you're a member of Amazon Prime, I'll drop the joke. You know what Amazon Prime is. You give them, you sign up, and then you get the main thing. It all started, you get free shipping. You sign up for Amazon Prime, and then when you buy anything on Amazon, you don't pay for shipping. It just all shows up for free. And I don't know how that works because uh, I get hundreds of packages a year, and somehow you know, the cost of shipping, all that has to be more than what I pay in Amazon prime. Um, well, the other thing you get with Amazon prime in recent years is you get, um, prime video. And if you have prime and prime video, you can sign up for a subscription to what they call prime video channels. And when you do this, you get access. This is for cord cutters. In other words, cable TV, super expensive. It's like $10,000 a month for cable TV. Uh, and it's, what do you get with cable TV? You get hundreds of channels that you don't even watch. Well, with prime video channels, you get real channels. This isn't, you know, you get all of their uh, regular original content from Amazon prime, all the shows and movies and stuff that you get from the regular prime video. You all, you already get that. This is on top of that. You sign up for a subscription subscription to prime video channels and you can pick the channels you want. And then you pay based on what you pick. They have over 100 of these. And they're real channels. Showtime, Stars, HBO, Cinemax, CBS All Access, plus a ton of specialty channels. Um, British TV, fitness stuff, all sorts of sports, horror. Whole channels dedicated just to horror. Perfect for Halloween. Um, and you can watch them anywhere that you watch Prime. So you go to Amazon's website and sign up for this. And you can get a free, all of these channels come with like a seven day free trial. So you don't even pay for seven days. You can sign up, add the channels you want, see how it works. But it, they work everywhere that Prime Video works. So I, you know, I do it on my Apple TV because that's what's connected to my TV. But, it, you know, you get the app. I swear to God, the notes they gave me, I, they say there's 650 different devices that you can watch this on. I mean, every I, that's got to be like all the hundreds of Android phones. I don't know. But any iPhone, iPad, anything that you can get Prime Video on. You can if you if you sign up for Prime Video channels, you can watch the Prime Video channels there. So you can watch HBO on your phone, on your iPad on anything. And you don't have to get, this is the thing. You don't have to get all these different apps, like a Showtime app and an HBO app and the CBS all access app and all of that. And then every time, you know, like to use those apps, you, you go and then you have to sign in to your cable account. And it, it always, you know, times out after a couple of weeks and two, this is all through the prime video app. So it's one app, you sign up for the subscription and all these channels are just there in the prime video app on all of your different devices. So everything on HBO, you can watch all the old episodes of game of Thrones. You can watch one of my favorite HBO shows, uh, the John Oliver this week tonight, last week tonight. I love that's that show. Me, yeah. God, I love mm -hmm. that show. If you're interested in current events at all and like a daily show type show, John Oliver's last week tonight is like, it, it, it is like one of the few shows that our whole family is like religiously attuned to. Uh, and we, we like it, 
<laughs> we drop into like a group depression when he takes weeks off. You get it for free. <laughs> well, not free, but you get it when you sign up for HBO through the Prime Video channels. Um, it really is. It's terrific. Uh, it is absolutely a terrific service. If you don't have cable or you'd like to get rid of cable, it is a terrific way to watch channels that traditionally you had to get through cable. And like I said, you create your own TV lineup uh, based on the ones that you want to watch. And you like, if you don't like sports, you don't sign up for the sports channels. That's it. Whereas opposed to cable TV, guess what? You're paying, you know, like 10 bucks a month for ESPN, <laughs> whether you watch sports or not, which is crazy. Um, all channels start with a free trial, get a seven day free trial of any of the channels that you haven't tried yet. Um, it just couldn't be better. And then so you sign up for one of these channels, you don't like it, just turn it off before the seven days are up and you don't pay for it. Uh, it's really great. Watch them anywhere, anytime, any device. It, it, it sounds too good to be true, but honest to God, this is like the future of watching TV channels. It's just terrific. Uh, I watch on Apple TV, but they have their own Fire TV box, the Rock U, uh, anything. All these smart TVs today, I, you can't buy a TV that doesn't come with the Amazon Prime thing built in. Uh, so all sorts of good shows. That CBS All Access, I've been meaning to watch their new Star Trek Discovery thing. I've been afraid, I, I, I do this thing in recent years where I don't want to watch a show the first year because I'm afraid I'll get into it and then they'll cancel yeah. it. <laughs> But apparently Star Trek... <laughs> well, I think CB, yeah, they have a lot invested in that one, so I think you're probably okay. <laughs> I, but I skipped the... I want to watch it. I like Star Trek yeah. shows. Uh, I just... I wanted to wait and see if, see if there'd be more than a year. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I want to get the CBS All Access just for that. Uh, it's really great. So uh, if you're already a Prime member, you can just sign up and add this. If you're not a Prime member and you use Amazon, you should be. Uh, it's really, if you're going to shop at Amazon, you might as well have prime. Uh, it's just really great. Uh, so here's a special offer for listeners of the show. Only pay for the channels you want with Amazon prime channels. Start your free trial of over a hundred channels by visiting try slash talk show. That's try slash talk show. And you can start them all with uh, a free trial. My thanks to Amazon Prime Channels for sponsoring the show. Very cool. All right, next week's event. Let's 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 figure this out. Okay. Uh, well, the, I think the surprise thing we can start with that is that um, Ming Chu Kuo says uh, there'll be a new iPad Mini, but not next week. Or he does say there's going to be next week. Did I thought I it was. This? I thought. Oh, I, I maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. I thought that he said. I thought, I thought he said was, that it's I in the it works. This week. I thought he said it's in the works, but it's early 2019. Oh, okay, okay. I don't think it's next week. Okay. Um, and I, you know, it would it would in theory be aligned with if they do like a one year revolution of the regular iPads too, like if they do like a March or April event. But anyway, I think just any sign of life that the iPad Mini is not dead is news. Uh, yeah. Because the Mini was something that maybe wasn't updated every year, but it was updated most years until all of a sudden it wasn't updated at all. <laughs> and I loved talking, you know, again, tying to something we talked an hour ago about and my declining eyesight. I loved the iPad Mini when it came out. Loved it. I was like, I would never buy a big iPad. That thing is huge. I used an iPad Mini for everything. And now I feel like it's too small. Like, I can't... It, yeah, it, I, I never took to it. I mean, I... Use them in a little while for writing books and or writing. I mean, reading books. Um, but uh, but I 
you know, for like gaming and watching TV shows and stuff like that, I'd rather have and and writing. Um, yeah. I'd rather have the, the big one. Yeah. And that's the other thing for me that I do a lot more of than I did six, seven, eight years ago is I watch a lot more TV on my mm-hmm. iPad, especially baseball. Um, and baseball in particular, just because the ball's, you know, kind of little, um, uh, having a bigger <laughs> screen, you can actually see a little bit more like, yeah. Like in a pinch, I'll watch it on my phone, but it's really, it's almost like watching baseball on a phone is almost like oh, yeah. listening to baseball on your phone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for watching stuff, I like the bigger one, but still, I know there are fans of the iPad mini and, um, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that it, it sells enough that it's not going to be dropped. Uh, so it, that's cool, but who knows? Yeah, I don't think I mean, it's coming I was next surprised. week. Though. I was sort of, I couldn't really figure out exactly why they would get rid of it. But I mean, just the, I mean, I guess because the phones are getting bigger, they're approaching that size, but they're not there yet. And it no. seems like there's enough people who still like that device that uh, it's worth making one. Yeah. And I did that. I actually dug my iPad mini. Um, the one that I own is actually an iPad mini two, which I think is also, it's a five S class device in terms of, I think the same a seven mm-hmm. processor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is totally it's it's i don't think the, i think the idea that a big ass 6.5 inch 10s max is the you know ah there's no need for an ipad mini anymore the ipad mini is so much bigger than a 10s max it's ridiculous yeah. like you can't yeah. put an ipad mini in your pants pocket <laughs> well i could barely put a 10s max in my pants pocket but still yes yeah. <laughs> uh anyway the rumors are the ipad pros seem like a lock for next week um yeah uh, it seems like that bet the bet the bet the house on that because yeah. they haven't been updated for an entire generation. There were no A11. Well, who knows? Maybe these will have A11s, but I don't. I I would guess they'll have A12s. But there was no. You know that the current iPad Pros are all A10 devices. Um, haven't been updated in a while. Um, supposedly, you know, and a shocker. I don't think you even need to follow the rumors. I think you just need to look at what Apple's doing with iPhones, and you know idea that the screens will go more corner to corner mm-hmm. and have rounded edges at the corners. Um, the other and room face, are, and face ID instead of touch. Yeah. ID, face obviously. ID instead yeah. of touch ID. And uh, I forget if it was Stephen Trouton Smith or Guillermo Rambo or both of them who poking about iOS 12.1 betas concluded that the camera would work in both landscape and portrait, which the iPhone camera or face ID still doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you would think that would, you know, maybe that's not important for the iPhone because when you're unlocking it, it's always in portrait and whereas iPads are equally used both ways. Right. Right. Um, so it would really suck if it didn't work both ways. Yeah. Um, hopefully that would be cool. Um, uh, and the, the one that to me is more interesting, most interesting is supposedly they're switching to USB-C instead of lightning. Yeah. Which in turn would also mean that I guess you would, they'll need to make a new Apple pencil because the Apple pencil charges by sticking it into the lightning port on your iPad pro. But that kind of sucks. If you're like, let's say you're, yeah. let's say you're a big iPad pro user and you have an Apple pencil. It kind of sucks that you've got to spend another hundred bucks on an Apple pencil just so you can charge it right with the right. iPad. I mean, I guess, you could well, just pencil, not pencil and, pencil dongle, right? <laughs> well, there's a pencil dongle though, so that you can charge it into the you know, the you know there's there is a little dongle that ships with the pencil that lets you use the 
turns it into a female lightning connector instead of a male lightning connector. Yeah. But anyway, presumably if the iPad is USB-C, then the pencil would have to be USB-C. Uh, right. Supposedly, new MacBooks. But this is the part that to me is the most exciting, is that nobody really knows what the hell is going on with the MacBooks. Like, yeah. There's, you know, German has, seen Gurman's reported that there's a supposedly lower cost MacBook Air replacement with a retina screen, but there's really no, de- even from German, there's no details. Um, and is it just one? Is it, you know... Uh, who knows? I, I, I've, yeah. I, it's terribly exciting, and and is it knock on wood on Friday, the uh, what the hell's today's date? Twenty eighth, twenty ninth, twenty sixth, twenty sixth. Have I mentioned my eyesight is Nick? No leaks about what the hell is coming up with MacBooks. I mean, very very exciting. And the event is in New York and at the Brooklyn Academy. Yeah, it's better for you, right? Yeah, way better for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't even hate flying, but it's sure as hell is <laughs> a, a $61 Amtrak train that takes 80 minutes and leaves from a train station I'm 10 minutes away from is an awful lot better than a transcontinental flight. Uh, I'm terribly excited about that. Uh, yeah, this it feels downright luxurious. Um what else? I don't know. I, I, I uh, so you you mentioned the MacBook, but then also like uh, Mac Mini and new iMac. Yeah, I well also the, rumored. Yeah, so the iMac. I it just looked up the regular non-pro iMacs are over five hundred days since the last update, and you know I think I tweeted about this, and somebody was like, "Well, you know, guess what? That's that's the way Apple rolls these days." But the iMac, however much you want to criticize Apple for letting certain uh, products in the Mac lineup languish for well over a year or two years or three <laughs> three years or. How old is the Mac Pro? It's 10 years? <laughs> it's very old. <laughs> no. Um, it just seems like it's 10 But years. the iMac it is not a device that Apple has let languish. The, you know, even if you want yeah. to argue that their focus is on MacBooks and portables instead of desktops, the iMac has never lost favor with Apple. So 500 days is unusual. Um, I almost feel like it's 500 days not because they've taken her eye off the ball but that the last update to the iMac 5k was so good that it could go over a year without an update i mean obviously it's fallen behind the state of the art in intel chips but uh i still have my my desktop is the original 5k iMac and then i i don't know how long out a year a year plus later they came out with one that looks the same from the outside but the display adds you know the 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 greater color gamut etc it's even better display. So I don't know, but it's, you know, everybody just says they might come out with new iMacs, but nobody really knows what, is it really just a speed bump? Are they just going to look the same and have the same display and they're just updating to newer CPUs or is there going to be more to it than that? I don't know. Yeah. An update to the Mac mini. Now there's there, <laughs> that would be, I, I can't wait to see what the reaction is in a room you know like it's if if that actually and it's weird like people are saying that might happen but thunderous applause but it's not it hasn't really leaked you know nobody knows and again is it going to be the exact same form factor and they've just here's a new one with a new chip because i i honestly feel i've written this several times compared to some of these nux i don't even know what that stands for well do you know what that yeah i don't either i don't either i I know I've looked at them several times and I don't even <laughs> compared to some of these NUC computers, uh, like Intel has, um, 
the iPad Mini is not Mini at all. Or the Mac Mini, I mean. The oh, Mac, yeah. Mac Mini yeah, no, is no huge, longer Mini at huge all. compared to those, yeah. And it's slightly unfair because the NUX don't have an internal power supply. They they have an external yeah, power supply. And yeah. so, you know, but you could you could put that external power supply next to it, and it still is smaller than the Mac Mini. Uh, the Mac Mini really is not Mini. <laughs> So it would be exciting if it's like the next and the next use don't the next use flash. I think so. Yeah. Media, right. Yeah. And, and these, I mean, like a, most of the current Mac mini still have like spinning drives. Right. Right. Well, to me, the comparison, and I've made this before, but it, it and I really think that the benchmark even shows it, you know, like a, a Apple TV 4k is like, I, I don't think there is a version of Geekbench for Apple TV for some reason. But I, you know, I think it's a faster computer than the current Mac Mini, and if not, it's certainly on par. And yeah. it's, you know, it's obviously using ARM, not Intel, and it has SSD, not a hard drive. But it doesn't have an external power supply, and it is a computer, and it is fast, and it is <laughs> Mini, and you know, yeah. so it would it's be. The, yeah, I would, I would certainly hope that it's an updated form factor. But. Right. I mean, at this point, take what we can get, I guess. <laughs> it's just bizarre that the Apple TV is a smaller, better computer than than the yeah. Mac Mini. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't seem right at all. Right. Um, so that, you know, and I know, again, is it, you know, is it essential to Apple's bottom line? No, of course not. But there are a lot of people who like the Mac Mini. And I want to get I want to get one as a Plex server, um, just as a media for a media server. And I've been holding off for... <laughs> well, four and years. Not, not quite that long. But. Who knows if he's right or not? But the thing that stuck out to me was that German, in his article, I think German said something about a new Mac Mini and said that it would, you know, it didn't have any details about what it would look like or what else, but that, that it would be somehow geared towards enthusiasts. And I can't help but think that what you're, you know, using it as a Plex yeah. server or something like that is exactly, you know, the thinking, you know, that why not sell, have Apple sell something to Mac? nerds who want to buy a mac and have it running all the time to do something like that like why make yeah. mac nerds go to other vendors why why break them out of the apple universe yeah <clears throat> so. i don't know <laughs> i didn't want i mean like jason snell went to the trouble to to frank and mac whatever you call it yeah. and he, Hack he installed a mac. he got a he got a nuck and installed yeah. um os 10 on it yeah i saw or that mac os sorry yeah uh hackintosh is what they call it. hackintosh there we go yeah. Uh, it's a, you know, I, I was thinking, I, I, <laughs> I guess I could Google it, but I was wondering, it seems like everybody who makes a Hackintosh. It's always like a desktop. It doesn't seem like anybody makes one out of a laptop. And I, <laughs> I just got to thinking about it. Like I'm worried about these MacBook keyboards <laughs> and like, if, <laughs> like Casey Johnston, who, who writes for the, uh, the outline now and has written a bunch, a uh, series of pretty good articles, really good articles, I should say on the MacBook keyboard saga. Um, yeah. um you know, and it started with her <laughs> taking her MacBook pro in and, and the genius told her, well, uh, it's obviously broken. You, you, uh, you got, <laughs> you got a speck of dust under the key. What were you doing? <laughs> you know, like literally <laughs> it was like, the, what do you expect? There's a speck of dust in there. Of course the key's going to get stuck. Anyway, she's written a bunch of articles. Um, and her most recent one, um, was about, you know, do does this new third generation MacBook Pro keyboard with this membrane, does it solve the problems? And um, sort of an unsatisfying article in a way, because the answer is sort of maybe. It's like, we don't know. Um, 
She yeah. she talked to like Apple Store employees, and they said yes, like yeah, the, the the this was a big problem with MacBook Pro keyboards, and now it's not. And you know, you, you the cynic in you wants to say, well, Apple Store employees, of course they're going to say that they're you know they're they're towing the company line, but they're not being quoted by name by her. It's not like you know Apple Store genius yeah. John Moltz is you know <laughs> say, says That's Apple a quick says That's Apple a quick trip to being fired. Apple products are great, and they don't have a keyboard problem. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't even know if she identified herself as a reporter. You know, she, I think she just went in and just said, "Hey, are these keyboards working." And in my experience, Apple employees, store employees, will tell you, you know, if they don't know you're <laughs> the guy yeah, who writes during Fireball, a... <laughs> there they'll they'll give you their honest advice. You know, I mean, it, there's no better example than that some of them will give you the honest advice that you should quit your apps on, on your iPhone. <laughs> I mean, they're not all, you know, it's not all good advice, but it's honest advice. Well, they're not all reading off the script. <laughs> yeah, is what right. I'm saying. Yeah. But on the other hand, she's pointed to a Mac Rumors forum post where there are people with new MacBook Pros who are saying their keys are stuck or repeating, and a couple of tweets from people. But it doesn't seem to be as widespread. But anyway... Yeah, it seems like it's gotten better, at least. Anyway, the thing that made me think of her series was that her latest article, she said that somebody, you know, a couple people have said to her, like, don't worry about these keyboards. They're moving towards all glass keyboards that don't have <laughs> moving keys at all and will use haptic <laughs> feedback. And I, I, I know Syracuse has mentioned this, you know, that if, if the keyboards are always getting thinner, eventually having a keyboard that doesn't literally click at all is the end goal. And at that point, I might be out. <laughs> like, I am too old to learn how to type on something like that. Like, yeah, I don't know if I could handle that either. Um, I've seen people, you know, I've seen geniuses, actually, that's the typing on iPads at the store and typing incredibly fast. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've, and I've just been like blown away that anybody could do that. I've definitely seen it at the Apple store because they use iPads for all sorts of things. I've definitely seen it there and I've seen it with kids, you know, like, and yeah. um, uh, there's kids who use their iPad and they type faster than I type on a real keyboard on the iPad keyboard way faster. Yeah. I mean, so it's definitely a thing, but it ain't for me. Even with, <laughs> even with, you know, haptic feedback, it's, it yeah. is, it's not going to be good. I need my clicks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you need a, you need a, you need a steampunk, steampunk keyboard is what you yeah. need. But anyway, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's obvious whatever MacBooks they come out with next week, I'm intrigued what the keyboard story will be. I mean, I, I would guess the betting money is it's going to be the, you know, third generation butterfly switches with the membrane. Um, but it sure would be exciting if they were a little clickier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that that's going to happen. But yeah, I, uh, is the uh, air power going to come out? It's a little. It would be a little weird if it came out next. Well, week. that was the other thing that Kuros said. I think at the same. I think he was predicting that would be so. I think he was. Didn't he say that the he was thinking maybe the Air Power and the iPad Mini might be late this year yeah. or early next year? Yeah. So who knows if they would come out at the event? I think it would be a little weird if it came out next week because next the Air Power only works as well. At least last we heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> a year ago, I thought it was never going to come out. But it only works with iPhones, uh, the Apple Watch. And a still as yet 
hasn't appeared um, new AirPods charging case. Mm-hmm. So maybe AirPods are coming too. Maybe new AirPods are coming this week because then at least there would be a. Well, 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 Karen just bought some, so that would make sense. <laughs> it would make perfect sense if she just bought them. Um, because I just think it would be a little weird to introduce, hey, here's the air power, finally. I don't expect them to say finally, but it certainly <laughs> implied. And maybe they would. Maybe they'll even address the fact that, yeah, this is a little ridiculous. And maybe they'd even put up a finally slide. But it would be a little weird to me, stagecraft-wise, to inter- say, okay, air power is finally here but not have any new products that actually charge with it we because it. the iPhones just came out a month ago and the new Apple watch just came out a month ago and they don't tend to talk about products they announced six weeks ago at a second event. Yeah. So the only thing they could say, and here's the new charging case for the AirPods would actually be something they could say, here's a new thing that actually charges with the air power. But then the other thing that would be weird is if they don't announce the air power on Tuesday, then when the hell is it coming out? Yeah. I mean, they've, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, such a weird story. So anyway, but that's, you know, weird stories make for intriguing Apple events. <laughs> right. Is that, isn't that what they say? Yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> uh, this week. That's what they say. Anything else? I haven't listened to Jason and, uh, Mike Hurley's, uh, they do that draft thing. They're, they, they do a lot more, <laughs> a lot more advanced thinking about what might be coming in an Apple event than I do. <laughs> I just wait and find out what they say. I don't know if I'm missing, am I missing anything that people are predicting for the event? I feel like, I don't n- think so. Not real. Pre- I mean, not like anything that is, um, likely to show up. Yeah. I think like the X factor would be like if they've, done something you know the ipad stuff software wise like could they could there be like some major you know new improvements to multitasking and stuff in uh, in the ipad version of ios that they've kept under wraps Hmm. is there a you know what's what's the keyboard story for the ipads is are they still not going to have a trackpad you know I, I feel like the lack of a trackpad on the iPad is, I, I, again, I'm old and I've got these habits and I want it to work more like my Mac. Uh, I just think it's really, really weird that Apple says we don't want to, we're not going to make touchscreen Mac books because it's a bad form factor for reaching out and touching the screen to have this perpendicular screen that you reach out and poke at. And here's an iPad that you can use like <laughs> right, a laptop with a, keyboard. With a mm-hmm. keyboard that we make. And if you want to do anything, you have to reach out and poke at the screen in this way that we've said is ergonomically unpleasant. <laughs> like, I think it's a really <laughs> weird story that would go away if they just put a trackpad on the keyboard cover. And then. And you've talked about, I mean, so you've talked about this previously or written about it rather endlessly um, and you don't mean yeah you don't mean like a it wouldn't have a cursor well i don't think so i i, I it, it could you know should it i don't know but it could like and i played like google has a new uh tablet they call this pixel slate that runs chrome os and they have a keyboard cover and the keyboard cover is really pretty nice and i think it's kind of a shame that it has better keys than, than a new MacBook. Uh, although they made them round. Did you see this? They made them round oh, like dimes. I yeah, I like that. 
<laughs> it's too cute by far. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, you should have, if you would have just made them squares, you'd have a killer keyboard, but they made them round to be cute. And it's, uh, it's not great, but they do click nice, but they have a trackpad. And I sat there at the Google hands-on thing and you, you, you know, it has a very similar smart connector to the, to the iPad, you know, where it's, you don't have to stick anything into the USB-C or anything. It's magnetic hmm. and you connect it and an arrow cursor appears. And as soon as you disconnect it, the arrow cursor just disappears. So there's no confusion. You know, my best example at Philadelphia's airport is just chock full. It's American airlines, actually nationwide American, which is what I fly all the time. Um, their check-in kiosks are all the same, which I guess is good because they're all the same. And they're all obviously running Microsoft Windows and they are touchscreens, but there's a white arrow cursor that's <laughs> <Right>. always visible. <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. And I've that whenever that. you touch, I mean, it's 2018 and they, <laughs> they have these touchscreens that have, you know, you're just, you're, your touch <laughs> is... A completely useless cursor. Yeah, it, well, it moves, it, it moves under whatever you touch so you can't read it. <laughs> It's, you know, there's ways to do this right. I don't know that it should be an arrow cursor. I don't know if it would always be there. I mean, it just seems weird that you can't, it just seems weird to me that you ever have to reach up and touch the screen when it's docked. I mean, I, I would most want it just for text editing, you know, and, and in the way that you get that trackpad support on iPhones and iPads by touching the, the keyboard and moving around. I would like it if you had trackpad support just for text editing, if that's the only thing they enabled it for. But why not allow it for other things? And I think they could do it without a cursor, too. I've talked about this, is, yeah. is by following the Apple TV design. So you, you could go to the home screen. Number one, you can't go to the home screen on the keyboard now. So I think that they should do that. They should have like a go home button. And then... What you could do is move around the trackpad and it would pop the icons up like the icons on Apple TV when you move around on the Apple TV. So it would be more TV. like swiping than, yeah. than like a... Yeah. It, would, it would just be like Apple TV, you know? Yeah. I forget what the name of that interface is, but, you know, there's, it's called like 3D something. I don't know. But it, you know, is already running on iOS. There's no reason it couldn't, it couldn't work on an iPad with a keyboard attached. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't mm -hmm. have a mouse cursor you'd move around. Instead, you'd have an implicit selection that you would move around and it yeah. would just move around the icons. And I think it could be very nice. And I think it, ergonomically it would be great because it really is ergonomically unpleasant when you're in a laptop form factor to reach up and poke at the screen. So anyway, that would be my hope that there's all sorts of goodies like that. It's not just new iPad hardware with, you know, smaller bezels and round corners and it works exactly like the old iPads, <laughs> you know, it, would, it, you know, I don't know why I, I, I can separate this in my mind because it doesn't really make that much sense. But I, if someone touches my screen, I never touch my Mac screen. <laughs> if somebody else touches my Mac screen, I get unreasonably angry about it, but uh, I will, I will, you know, keep happily keep working on my iPad if there's a bunch of fingerprints on it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, totally. I shouldn't say happily, but I will. I will ignore them and keep working, and then eventually, when it gets really bad, I'll pick it up and I'll wipe it off with my sleeve and go back. When somebody, uh, you know, I've had, I've told you before, I've had this MacBook Pro for f four years, so it's, the screen has been touched. But the first time I somebody touches my Mac screen, I really want to just take the computer <laughs> back and buy a new one. <laughs> I just, it's like, all right, you know, you touch my screen. I get me a hard drive, super duper, clone the drive, go buy a new one, restore the drive, open it up. And now I've got a screen that has never been touched by greasy humans. 
I, I, it really, I, I, nothing, my computer could be half functioning. I, I, <laughs> Karen used to, Karen used to pick up, I don't think she, she's got an air, she's got an 11 inch air now and I don't think she does it with this device anymore because it doesn't, but it doesn't seem like the form factor is right for it, but I mean, not that this was right, but she used to constantly pick up her laptops by the lid, by the top of the lid. <laughs> <laughs> She would just it would just be sitting on the couch or something like she'd go over and grab it by the top of the lid and lift it up and, and just like put her thumb right over the screen. Oh yeah. Just, oh, God. Like, oh my god, what are you doing? Because your thumb would naturally go right over like the prime real estate of the screen, right? Like one or two inches yeah, down from the sure. top, right in the center. Mm-hmm. Right. Right in the sweet spot. Right in the sweet spot. Oh God. Uh trying to think anything what else next week i don't know why is it at the brooklyn academy of music i mean i i that's a good question all right i i you know i mean i don't i assume it's not related to that it's just the venue but yeah somebody told me there there was a cool thing they did with the invitations where there are hundreds hundreds of different variations of the apple logo and various artistic interpretations um I didn't follow along closely. Somebody was trying to gather them all and there's yeah. name there's names and they went to somebody went to the Apple server and I thought somebody figured out that there were two hundred and thirty six variations. But then somebody on Twitter was telling me that they think everybody got a unique one. Yeah. Because I don't know how many press invitations do they send out. If there's two hundred and thirty if we know there's two hundred and thirty six unique ones, there might be one for everybody. I don't know. Mine doesn't look it doesn't certainly doesn't look like it was commissioned for me. It doesn't look like anything, you know. I think there's got to, even if they did make one for everybody, I think they assigned them randomly, but yeah, I did see something where somebody, there's some kind of speculation that there are, that they've sent illustrators. There's illustrators from around the world who've been brought mm. to New York, you know, well, that would, which would be a very Apple. Yeah, if, there, if there's a new pencil coming, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, uh, Adobe debuted Photoshop for iPad. It's not out. It's coming in quote unquote 2019, but at their Adobe max conference a week or two ago. And Phil Schiller actually was there and appeared on stage to say how happy he was about, yeah. uh, and how closely Apple and Adobe are collaborating on this. So we'd expect to see that again. Probably I would eat my hat if we don't see, <laughs> I honest to God uh, would eat my hat. If Apple does not have Adobe come on stage and debut and, and demo Photoshop for iPad. As long as it's not not another AR demo. <laughs> uh, and there's got to be some new angle to it, too. It can't just be what they showed at Max. Maybe it's just be some kind of new feature in the pencil, you know, because obviously yeah. at Adobe Max, it was on the existing iPad Pro with the existing pencil. Maybe there's some kind of new features that mm-hmm. are enabled by this. Um, there's some speculation that the switching to USB-C is about support for external displays with Thunderbolt. So maybe it's something like that. Like you can plug in an external display with your iPad and you can have your Photoshop on a big screen. I, I, who knows? But it's got to be – I will eat my hat if Adobe is not on stage to demo this because I think it is it, – of all the apps in the world that Apple would want to have a third party come up and demonstrate on an iPad Pro, I think Photoshop is number one. I, I yeah. l- literally don't think there's another app in any category that Apple would rather say there's <laughs> – here it is on the iPad Pro. I, I really mean that. Yeah. And it would fit in with this theme of illustrators, you know, actual artists mm-hmm. doing stuff. Uh, I think it's exactly the sort of thing that the iPad is just way better than a Mac for, you know, if you are the sort of person who can illustrate 
and being able to draw right on the screen with a really high refresh rate, accurate stylus type thing is way better on an iPad than it is on a Mac with a yeah. Wacom thing off to the side. Right. So I think that's coming. That's interesting. That's an interesting, like if you're doing it on a big screen, how do you see, you can't, there's no cursor. Well, I don't know what the so pitch it, would be, but that, I mean, and I'm just totally spitballing here because that's what yeah. somebody said that that's the, that would be the, maybe it even comes from Ming-Chi Kuo that that's part of the USB-C story, you know, that it's Thunderbolt huh. three. I, I would guess that you, you, the artist are looking at the, you know, iPad screen and then somebody, you know, it could be put on a bigger screen for somebody else to look at while you work for collaborative, you know, okay. collaborating with somebody. Well, that seems less exciting, but well, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like they have to show something new. It can't just be the same thing they showed at Adobe max with Photoshop. Yep. Right. I don't know what else, but I'm excited about it because almost none of this is leaked. And I just hope it doesn't leak yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> the night before. What was the, stup- before. the stupidest thing was when Panzerino, Panzerino, uh, I was staying in San Francisco for the uh, Apple event and Panzerino uh, was staying up there too and has a car. So <laughs> I just, I, I rode down to Cupertino with him and it's like, while we're driving down is when the thing leaked that, <laughs> That all the uh, the the site map the the site map for Apple dot com included all the new products. <laughs> we were just like, what the hell? How, how does this happen? So yeah. I hope I hope there's no boners like that in the lead up to this. I'm like, I would like to have an event where there's a bunch of surprises. <laughs> Uh, we've got the Bloomberg thing. I don't have much to say about it other than that. I think, yeah, the, I think, Bloom- I mean, there's not that much. I mean, they, yeah, they're, they're out on a limb there. And I, now, I, now Tim Cook has called for them to retract the story. Right. And that is, it. you know, I don't want to get too inside baseball, but that's unprecedented. And yeah. I, and it, there was somebody in addition to his retraction, there was somebody, one of the articles about the, uh, retraction had a, an anonymous comment from presumably somebody in Apple PR, you know, somebody close to the situation said that Apple had, had, given long consideration to officially act demanding a retraction. I guess they didn't demand it, but, but stating that that, that Bloomberg should retract because they, they didn't want to come across as bullying that it's, you know, it's, it is not a good look in general for the world's largest company by, by share value to tell a respectable news publication to attract a story. <laughs> it is, it's just not a good look. But the first and second biggest companies in the world, Apple and Amazon, have both done, come out and done that. Uh, it is unprecedented. It's not something yeah. companies do. It's certainly not something reputable companies do. Yeah, I think Bloomberg really screwed up. I think it certainly they, seems like it. I, think, there's, I mean, there, nobody else is backing them up on us. No, and that's the other thing that uh, people have pointed out. And and there are they even said like the Washington Post put a team on this, the New York Times put a team on this, you know, and none of these other publications have come up with anything to to, yeah. to corroborate this. Let alone the fact that the the thing that I, if the story were true or mostly true, somebody by now would have found one of these. Um, super micro motherboards with a chip on it and said, here it is. Here's the chip. Here's the, you know, cause nobody's found that. And you know that security researchers are looking for it because it would be a huge feather in their cap. If there are such boards out there, the first security researcher who can publicly find one and point it out and, you know, analyze, you know, do the, you know, say, here's how it works. Here's what it does. It was going to be famous. Yeah. 
So I, I think Bloomberg screwed on that. I think Bloomberg is sort of hoping that this just washes over. It's going to, yeah, exactly. I think, I think ra- that's what's happening too. Rather than retract, I feel like they're just like. <laughs> they're, right, they're running the clock out. <laughs> <laughs> Midterms are coming up. You know. <laughs> how about that? Christmas. How about Christmas after that? <laughs> yeah, how about that Trump fella, man? He's. <laughs> what's he Look done? Look over with? there. Uh, Anything else? I think that's about it. It's it's we've gone on pretty long anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I I'm hopefully going to do a show next week. Uh after the event. We'll see if we were right about any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh John, it's always good to have you on. I think it's been a, a record breaking long stretch between you appearing on this show. Well, I went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're out. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> People can enjoy you uh, on various podcasts. Uh, that is correct. Turning you, this car around with um, some other dads and the rebound, which we talk about this the same stuff. And uh, but not as well. Aerocast. You saved your best stuff for your. Well, of course. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> the speedy Aerocast guy gets upset when I don't mention the speedy Aerocast, so I'm, I'm mentioning it here. What is that? <laughs> It's about the TV show Arrow and other. Oh. Su- now we also talk about some other superhero stuff with uh, uh, Guy English. Yeah, with Guy. Yeah, Guy English of. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> of the uh, Canadian Englishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan Warren. All right, well, that's great. And you are you 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 have a good voice. You should do a lot of podcasts. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. All right. uh, uh, my thanks to our sponsors. We've got uh, Amazon Prime Video channels. Which is just amazing. You just pick the channels you want to watch, and that's all you pay for. Uh, we've got RX Bar, not to be confused with R10 Bar. Uh, RX Bar, just <laughs> really, really good food in a little bar. Uh, and they got the, the the butter spreads now, too. Really good food. They taste great. They're good for you. Um, and Squarespace. So my thanks to all of them. Thank you, John. Thanks. <laughs>